listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Welcome back to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. We have returned for more NWA action. We will never get to WrestleMania 3, and when we get there, we're skipping over it because we just <laughs> we love it right where we are. That's right. So the as of this recording, we're kind of right around American Thanksgiving, which has a strong history in, in wrestling and, you know, Starcade and... Survivor Series when that started coming out. So with that in mind, Jeff. Well, that the context being that in Canada, we celebrate our Thanksgiving, I think, before Halloween. Yeah, exactly, and in October. so, yeah, it, uh, there's a big rush. I remember <laughs> no sooner had we made our uh, construction car- paper turkeys that we were making construction paper ghosts, you know, <laughs> That's right. when we were in grade four. But anyway, yes, American Thanksgiving is at a different time, uh, much later, and we- autumn is gone. We have <laughs> <laughs> we're fully immersed in winter. Yeah, which is funny actually because the uh, right now we have this unique situation where we had the snowfall and looked like winter. Then we had a couple warm days that melted, and now it's below zero, but there's no snow or anything That's on the right. ground. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty much almost no places of snow anyway. Yeah. So it's frozen, but there isn't any snow on the ground. Like, I doubt that many people... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's rare. It's, it's rare, even yeah. for us, but, you know, if any precip- precip- precipitation fell now, it would for sure be snow. Yeah, we had just an exceptional week of weather. That was around the time of our Santa Claus parade, and thinking, okay, that's a good day for that. It was like, you know, plus six or something like that. So, Corey, I think you were making reference to the uh, history-changing gobbledygooker. <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, and just in general, just sort of, you know, a common thing for this time is people like to look back at Survivor Series, uh, a lot of fans online because of the time of year. It's kind of like anniversary dates, right? So just real quick, what would you say would be, you know, what do you think is your favorite Survivor Series year? Well, I can just never forget how Macho Man ended up on a team with uh, Jake and Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like, I'll just... It always it caught my imagination how suddenly Babyface Savage, Babyface Jake are teaming up with still Babyface Ricky Steamboat, <laughs> yeah, that's right. who got so brutalized by these guys. It's like, yeah. how could you ever forgive what <laughs> they did? Right. You know, like what Jake did to Steamboat and what Savage did to Steamboat. Now we all hate Honky. <laughs> yeah, now we all hate Honky, you know? So I guess that's just like, it blew my mind because like the, the best of wrestling was, you know, these three men, yeah. you know, as, of course, my favorite match. And then we have the famous uh, greatest match of all time, they allege. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, no matter what little combination of the three between these guys, like, you know, it's it's like the best stuff for me. Yeah. And, I mean, you give them Duggan and Beefcake, and I sit there and think, like, and I look at Hogan's team from that year, and I'm like, ah, I think that I'll take the Savage. <laughs> the Savage team looks like they're the yeah. better team. And and then on Honky, boy, you had <laughs> just, like, what a mismatch. Oh, yeah. Who else was on there? Okay, so Hon- Honky, they, they left him hanging out to dry. <laughs> so he's got Hercules looking good, you know, looks strong. Got Harley Race. 
Oh, gee, suddenly I'm, okay. I, 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 I'm eating my words here. These Ron are, Bass. Okay, finally, because the other guys, I mean. Yikes. Danny Davis. <laughs> All right, okay. Because like, oh, shit, I can't be disrespecting Harley Race. No, <laughs> I take no, it back. No. no, no, no. But it was, yeah, it couldn't stand up. Like, it wasn't the strongest team. Like, okay. You know, so uh, one guy that's not in the card, but he's in the Federation, is Ted DiBiase. So that would have been, ah. you know, he would have been an interesting guy to plug into that Survivor Series. But, you know, you also, at that time, were protecting him. You wouldn't have wanted him to lose, so... Um. Yeah, hard to put him in there. Right, and he would have been really new to the company. Well, uh, we're going to return to DiBiase later because uh, I found out something quite interesting about DiBiase preparing for the show. Cool. Okay. Before we get back to TV and everything that's setting up July of 1986 in the Great American Bash Tour, and really trying to take a deeper look at some of those cards, there's not a lot of video out there for us to watch. So it's a lot of you know history and notes. <laughs> And these television shows, and thankfully for us, these two weeks of television happen to be these exceptional world championship wrestling broadcasts that are, you know, sort of premium, almost, you know, again, Clash of the Champions, Saturday Live worthy in a way, Saturday Live, Saturday Night's Main Event uh, worthy in a way, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. So another thing we did this week over here on the Legendary Wrestling Obsession podcast conglomerate enterprises is <laughs> we, we released a... Uh, a territory what if uh, Jeff's not in the loop here so I'm going to bring him up to speed here so there's a question of like what if the territories like let's talk 70s and 80s if those wrestling companies were getting compensated in some sort of material way taking things like inflation into account and the size of their you know reach of their network but if they were getting paid for their television show instead of paying for their television show to be on TV which was most of them had to pay money to all these different syndicated properties you know like every different local station you know, someone like Vern Gagne was like laying money out every week to get his tape played. And that's why McMahon was able to come in and just basically go like, how much is he paying you a week? I'll pay you this much. And he took their spots. Now, imagine if the territories, not just in the 80s, but through the 70s, had actually been making money and revenue off of their great TV shows. They would have all been in a much stronger position. What would that have done to Vince's national push? You know, the, the territory system was almost crumbling some, in some way. Some of them were already falling apart on their own before he started meddling. So it was pretty easy for him to come in and push a couple of dominoes over and then worry about taking out a couple of big ones. But if all of those territories had, you know, consistent revenue coming in, they could have paid their talent more. It wouldn't have been so easy for McMahon to just take all the guys right away. I'm not saying he still wouldn't have figured it out. I, I Actually, I think he would have figured out a way to crush them all anyways. But I think it would have slowed it down. And, and think of like, instead of national expansion happening, let's say 84, as far as like one company kind of really taking over. Imagine if it took him like five years to accomplish what he did almost in one year. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting theories. I, I think you've, you know, worked them well through. I don't really have a lot to add, but uh, <laughs> wow. So yeah, there was, some people were chatting about that online and uh, lots of fun stuff with wrestling online as long as you don't uh, stay out of those corners where people are being mean to each other and arguing. But if you find the right people, everyone's nice. <laughs> Tommy Young, come on, get in here, break it <laughs> That's up. That's right, come on, ref, get in there. Keep it clean. <laughs> okay, so as we said, our next big thing we're really going to look at is the July 19th broadcast of World Championship Wrestling. There's some good matches on there. It's the week before our next big, let's call it, pay-per-view event. It wasn't a pay-per-view at the time, but the July 26th Great American Bash card. It's on the network in full. It's a big, long card. We'll be covering those matches next week. So this week is all about that setup. So we want to just kind of turn back the clock a little bit. And I just want to ask one thing. There is an image burned in my mind 
of two VHS tapes that were advertised in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. They were put together partially by PWI in cooperation. And I believe one of them was called Lords of the Ring. That one, I I remember that one very well. Yeah, and and there was on the cover, the Road Warriors were there. And of course, these are, you know, we we watched it on TV. The Russians and the Road Warriors on the cover, yeah. I don't think uh, I had a VCR. When I, I mean, you know, like I saw these ads before I was taping stuff. Correct. Like it was kind of that. Yeah, I, I rented, I probably rented that tape in 87, like the 85 tape. I rented it oh. like in the end, okay, near the 85? end of 87. Well, that makes sense. At 13, yeah. I'm not quite, I haven't mastered, I never mastered the VCR. <laughs> <laughs> I was really bad. You know, the guys had all the shows and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and not me. Couldn't program. Jesus. Uh, anything. The point being that VCRs, VHSs, this full page ad was kind of legendary in PWI. (laughs) Like they just, you know, and I wanted those tapes. I wanted to see those matches. So one was obviously this one that had the Road Warriors and this is, it was sort of in their AWA days. Yeah. And then the other picture was like, this NWA with the Ric Flairs and the Dusty Roads and like and these days I'm only reading about it. So is that a bash? What is that? What are they? What was the other tape? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not 100 percent sure. So in '85, let's say both. You know, that's you uh, remember it, right? Like because side by well, side, the two I, tapes. I, were... I have a vague memory of this of this advertisement you're talking about, but yeah. I just more know the tape because like, it's like the first time I ever rented NWA wrestling. I rented two tapes at the same time. I rented the 85 Lords of the Ring tape, and I rented the 1987 Great American Bash tape, which has got the war games on it, like the, the original war games. So those are the first ever NWA. That's the first time I ever rented that stuff, you know, was in, was around that time. And I do know what Jeff's talking about, which is that, you know, they had to, in the commercials, again, for the 87 war games, there was about a year where during my wrestling broadcasts on the weekend, this this commercial would come up to like, you know, you could order for, you know, twenty nine ninety nine or something and mail away by money order or something like that to get a date mailed to you. I didn't do it, but, you know, eventually did get to rent it. But for like a year, I watched this commercial of like, ah, the golden briefcase, I can't reach it. <laughs> right. The match beyond ignites into explosive wrestling action. The war games have begun. Welcome to the Bash 87. You have a better than ringside seat at wrestling history in the making. Ten men, two rings wrapped in steel, and only one way out. War Games 1 and the rematch, War Games 2. Precious Paul Ellery, the Road Warriors, Dusty Rhodes and Nikita Koloff versus the Four Horsemen and J.J. Dillon in a dangerous new kind of wrestling. Plus, Nikita Koloff versus Lex Luger, Ric Flair's title defense against Jimmy Garvin, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Michael Hayes and the Freebirds, the Rock and Roll Express, Barry Windham, Big Bubba Rogers and the Midnight Express. Two hours of the best never seen on television before. The War Games. Games on VHS or beta video cassette. Nowhere else in America can you see wrestling action this explosive. Well, anyway, so um, these two tapes, definitely, I, I wanted them. And uh, also because I-, I liked the Lords of the Ring. Wait, 
I like the Lord yes, of the Rings. I like, yeah. <laughs> I like, you know, dragons and yes. swords and knights in armor. So, like, we, you know, if a wrestling thing's making a reference to, like, exactly. Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, type stuff, or, yeah. or, you know, I was just like, so cool. But that's where the crossover stopped. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there were no wizards, no elves, elves, <laughs> no treasure, no golden rings on the wrestling tape, the Lords of the Rings. Yeah, it's pretty neat, too, because I think the 85 Bash, this is during the Pro Wrestling USA experiment. So, you've got that cooperation between the AWA and other territories with the NWA. So the cover is like the AWA tag team champions, the Road Warriors fighting the Russians, which actually this is before Nikita. So this is Ivan and Crusher Khrushchev. And the 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 shot on the front cover that Jeff's talking about is kind of neat. I can't remember if it's Animal or Hawk. I think it might be Animal. He's on his knees and I think it's Crusher Khrushchev is behind him and it's like they're doing a knuckle lock test of strength, but like one guy standing behind the other guy and one, the, the, the guy in the front's down on his knees. Bizarre. So, like, so yeah. the animal's trying to fight his way back up from his, you know, right. from, yeah, from his that knees. That sounds familiar. It's a really, you know, unique look. I can't remember that, you know, I think the ad also know. showed you the back cover of the tape so you oh, could, you could yeah. see like a collage of like, oh, yeah, look, yeah. And these guys fight. Oh, these guys fight. Match, these yeah. guys fight. <laughs> so there's something exciting about that. So, but we digress, I think. A little bit. Now, how did I get onto this? Peter? We were talking. I'm not sure how we got onto that topic. Well, just the- just that uh, you know, it was in t- line with this whole Great American Bash tour and and like which cards, which which wrestling cards really did we see first? That's in my mind. I was relating as you're talking about it. Sort of like when did these things come out? When did we get access? Was there a Bash the in '85? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, the 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 Great American Bash 1985 was the first year of the tour. Okay, and that's that Lord of the Rings tape, and then uh-huh. Lords of the Ring. Yeah, right. And then 1986, you know, they've, they're kind of perfecting it. They know, they know what they're doing. So one of the things we really talked a lot about, you know, in the previous little journey to get to the July 5th Great American Bash, you know, Ricky Morton, Ric Flair, big cage match showdown was this idea of Ric Flair and 14 title defenses. And, you know, who was he defending against? And does this really, does the math really add up? So this is something we're going to kind of look at right now is sort Uh of, where you know where were these cards? So I looked at the match listings, and it doesn't a hundred percent tell you the, the the deal because it doesn't say like in brackets Great American Bash card, not Great American Bash card. It just lists all the cards, and not every card in July is a Great American Bash card. So that's okay. where you gotta kind of have to pay attention. So we know it kicked off July first in Philadelphia with the Road Warrior Hawk versus Flair, right? So mm-hmm. that was our that was the first step, and then we're just gonna quickly list off. The other locations. We covered that, so go back yeah. a few episodes. That's right. And that's all tied into like the iconic horseman beatdown of the Road Warriors that no one had ever seen before on TV that led up to that match. So that's great. So then you go uh, July 3rd, Washington, D.C., the 4th, Memphis, 5th, Charlotte, 8th, Charleston, 9th, Cincinnati, 10th, Roanoke, 12th, Jacksonville, 18th is in Richmond, 21st in Fayetteville. 23rd in Johnson City, Tennessee, the 25th in Norfolk, Virginia. That's a big uh, venue for them. And then, of course, July 26th in Greensboro, North Carolina, kind of like the home of, in many ways, of Starcade and Crockett and everything. And August 2nd in Atlanta. So our show is going to cover up to the 26th, that last show in Atlanta. August 2nd is not going not gonna to be on the card, but that's okay. So I just want to really quickly take a look at what Flair did and didn't do because some of these cards he's actually wrestling on like tag matches or six-man tag. You know, he's not necessarily always in a title match. But was there really 14 different challengers or was there just 14 cards? Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. 
So this is where we're going to get the math. So just going to keep track. We got we got Hawk. That's one. <laughs> got it. Okay. If we go past 10, we're in trouble. <laughs> that's right. Get your toes ready. Yeah. Okay, so July 3rd. What I really want to know is, did Animal get a shot? We'll, we'll come across it. What about okay, Robert so Gibson? July 3rd, I'm looking for, we got Ric Flair. He defeats Dusty Rhodes. Okay. Okay, so that's two. Yeah, well. But we, we know Dusty's coming up again, so. <laughs> right. So that's, uh, the math is questionable. Okay, so then we have, on July 5th, that's of course the one we covered. We know that's Flair versus Morton in the cage. Okay, so that's legit. The eighth. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ric Flair defeated NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion Denny Brown. <laughs> what? 14 of the best wrestlers in the world. <laughs> You're all the second greatest. Each one of you are the second greatest. <laughs> so we're getting a little... Uh, Denny Brown? Denny Brown. Remember we watched him on the last card. He had that opening match against Steve Regal. I had already forgotten. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, Denny. I, I doesn't mean you're not awesome. <laughs> yeah, the crowd actually liked him pretty good. He, he did pretty cool. well. I, maybe I liked him. I just uh, I was probably focused on Regal at the time because I you know I know him. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. Okay, July 9th, Here you are. NWA World Champion Ric Flair defeats Road Warrior Animal by disqualification. Okay, that's five. Yep. Did it say where? That one is in. That's the Cincinnati show. Cincinnati WKRP. <laughs> so then we got to check out the tenth and Roanoke, and it's another match against Ricky Morton. So that's that's not a, that's not another guy. That's the nope. same guy. And then the twelfth in Jacksonville, it's Dusty Rhodes beats Ric Flair by disqualification. So again, not a new opponent. Sliding over to Richmond on the 18th. Who does Mr. Flair come up against? He defeats Wahoo McDaniel in a steel cage match. Okay, so that's a new opponent. That's six. July 21st, NWA World Champion Ric Flair defeats Robert Gibson of the Rock and Roll Express. Seven. Okay. The 21st. This is in Fayetteville. He... Okay, that was the Robert Gibson one. Sorry, or did I? Or did he wrestle Robert Gibson twice? Let me see that. Yeah, that was just once. So same one. And here's one. This is not a bash card, but we have to take one second to recognize this. Quebec City, Quebec, in the Coliseum, in front of over fifteen thousand crazy fans. NWA World Champion Ric Flair fought Rick Martel to a forty-five minute draw. Whoa, that's eight. Oh, uh, cool. It's not a bash card though. Yeah, uh, I guess maybe, not a maybe, bash card. Maybe he was counting it. Yeah, but we're not getting to 14. <laughs> Something tells me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so I want just for my purposes, because, uh, you know, yeah, Rick sure. Flair versus Rick Martel. Yeah, it's awesome. The- and I tried to find that match and nothing. And I tried to find, like, I thought even if I could just get, like, the TV from the week before or after, the French TV, I might, you might get a promo or something about it or what happened. or wow. But no, nothing. And there's there's other cards from that year online, just not, not not around that time. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, you can, you know, when you look up Flair Martel, you get stuff from, like, 85 and whatever. But um, Okay, so the 23rd Johnson City, what do we got here? World Champion Ric Flair defeats Ron Garvin. Okay, that would be nine or eight, eight. if we don't That's count eight. If, yeah, Martel. Okay, call it, call it nine. We'll be generous. And then we know the 25th is Flair defeats Magnum TA via disqualification. Mm, Ten slash nine. Yep. The 26th, we know he is versus Dusty Rhodes. 
So we've already seen that. And then that brings us to August 2nd. Let me go see that card. Who is on that? And you get another Flare Dusty match. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're at best, if we're being generous, <laughs> 10, 10 opponents, not 14. There it is. 14 of the greatest Snoops. athletes of all time. T- Corey lives up to his name. D- dressed up as 10. <laughs> Sleuthed out the truth. And I didn't even, you know, register one of those guys at all. Yeah. Uh, the big pleasant surprise there is Rick Martel. Otherwise, that's would have the best I would have come up with would have been that. Yeah, if you look at all these cards we're watching, I mean, you kind of can just list off like, okay, yep. fights the Rock and Roll Express, fights the Road Wars, fights Magnum and Dusty. Who else have we seen around? Garvin, Wahoo, yeah. like you know. Yep. And then so Denny Brown. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they used every face they have. That's right. Know? Yeah, and that's why you almost think on these cards, and especially like in '85, why they could slide in people from other territories and stuff, like you know. Or you, here's me. Here's my question for you: How about? A heel versus heel defense. Oh, and yeah. who would you send? Who? Well, I think he obviously we're not going to put a horseman in there because that's just like sacrilege at that time. They're too they're too tight. Agreed. So we know he could put on a match against like Nikita. You know, he could they could send in a Russian to come get him. Uh, you also could look at like I don't know. There's no one really that stands out in Paul Jones' army is like impressive. You know, and I think like as much as it's fun, like I, I don't know, putting in Dennis Condry or Bobby Eaton doesn't seem like it's gonna you know. Bring the house down, tickets, <laughs> ticket sales. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I tell you, All like, Ric Flair versus Tully Blanchard, like, that. Okay, so having said that, been a great, was, that okay, could so, have been a great so make uh, a pick, feud. Then. Yeah. I, I, I know, therefore, it's not easy. So, who would you send if you did a heel versus heel? I, I think in this particular lineup, at this particular point, that they're they're separated enough, you know, like Nikita heel Nikita versus heel Flair. You know, they're not in the same camp. They don't they don't care about each other. They're not like buddies. Like Flair's almost buddy with Jim Cornette, right? Like at, at this point. Okay, okay, right, fair, so. fair, fair answer, Nikita. I think that's a pretty good answer. Yeah, and we know they've they that was the headline of the '85 bash, and, yeah. and they they would go on, you know, to Starcade '86. That you know, like they they've got big matches, so there's no shortage of big well, matches w- between Flair and Nikita. Wish they'd done that in '86, even just for the crowd. Imagine them going crazy, you know, yeah, not expecting it, perhaps. Well, but I mean, they probably would because there'd be promos anyway. Yeah. So well, that's good what, job sleuthing out the actual numbers. Yes. So that's kind of what Flair's up to. Like I said, some of these cards, he's jumping into six-man tags, tag teams. One thing that's reoccurring when you notice is these non-bash cards, almost every single one of them is against Ricky Morton. Like he wrestles right. Ricky Morton many times throughout no, the month, but only like twice, uh, you know, maybe twice on big cards. Adds weight to the theory that he was the supposed to be uh, the it's next like they champion. Were ta- they were taking that match around the circuit, right? Like, yeah. you know, and that was something that it was that hot TV angle they could play off and then just run with it for, you know, months. Okay, so the other really big thing that's, you know, we're trying to get information on a watch is the best of seven series between Nikita Koloff and Magnum TA. And it's something that I can remember strongly, even though I couldn't watch the TV as a kid. Jeff and I were having a good laugh about this. I had, you know, I, I know I had, a, you know, one of those Bill After magazines around that time, whatever, you know, and I would, someone would have to show me a cover and I'd be like, yes or no, that's the cover I'm thinking of. I don't remember specifically too much about it, but I remember finding out about this whole best of seven thing through a magazine and then I had it. And unfortunately, years ago, I got rid of, you know, my stack of wrestling mags. I, I did happen to keep as, you know, I think four just ra- totally random based more on the cover than anything else. So and they're all like those ones are like 87 to let's say 92. So at some point when we come across the right time, we we'll, might even have a whole episode just on a Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine and uh, go through it and find the articles. And cover to cover. Out. That's right. 
So that's uh, that'll be fun to do that. But and you know, I wish I could just pull up the you know the the, the appropriate pull uh, pro wrestling illustrated magazine from this day. But I'm I'm sure there's ways to uh, pay to get that stuff online. But not doing that at this point. So we'll just have to let our imagination run wild and our memories of what was in those magazines. So we know that this best of seven series starts, but unfortunately. I like strike one, two, and three. I'm trying to find because when we go to July 26, it's going to be the fourth match in the series. The first three matches, uh, unfortunately, they're not like they're not. They seem to have not been recorded or at least not aired. And there's nowhere you can really find them. I kept expecting even just on the you know the syndicated TV show to at least see like a two minute you know end of a match clip or something. But well, it fits in with the rule of uh, don't lose if there are cameras out there. I can't remember who said that, but uh, right, yeah, you know, yeah. I think it was on. I'm pretty sure I, I saw somebody said that I've if heard you're going to lose, times. Yeah, 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 make sure there's no cameras. It's, yeah, yeah. So you know, we'll, we'll just cover quickly what we can find with a bit of information, and there's certainly people who were much more dedicated followers of the NWA than us because we didn't have access as when we were kids. But it was unique. There was no other time in wrestling had I known of a, a face to lose three matches. And it even the, the not seeing any video, they made him sound like there was a, it wasn't always a, a megaphone to the head, you know, like it made it sound like there were clean pins, you know. Yeah. So we're going to, so the Philadelphia show. Like Magnum so DA when, is human. When we found the Road uh, Road Warrior Hawk versus Ric Flair, you know, you can find a, not super great quality, but you can find a file of that match from that show. And I thought, I thought for sure, okay, well, I'll be able to find this Nikita versus Magnum match, but I couldn't. So this is the first match of the best of seven. Uh, it simply says that basically Nikita Koloff pinned Magnum TA after Ivan interfered. So ah, it's one nothing, Nikita. Okay, well that doesn't sound clean. <laughs> now for match two, like they're not wrestling every night; they spread them out, and this best of seven is going to actually, like you know, outlast the Great American Bash itself. So it's not even completed by the time we get to the end of this. But let's find that next match. I know I have it highlighted. Here we go. Best of seven series. So this is Cincinnati, July 9th. So this is the night that uh, Ric Flair's fighting Road Warrior Animal. And we've got uh, Dusty Rhodes and Road Warrior Hawk defeated uh, Oli, <laughs> Oli and Arn Anderson in a steel cage. So that's pretty neat. That's a that's a neat card. But so then we have Nikita defeated Magnum, but it does not give any notation of any cheating or anything like it did on that other one. So maybe that's the one where it's kind of clean. So that's July 9th. And I know that from watching the July 12th, the stuff that aired on July 12th. Do you remember the interview? Not the specifically what he said, but just a look. Magnum does an interview on the July 12th last week's show. He's got a promo. His forehead. Oh, right. You know, it doesn't look cut up like Abdullah the Butcher or Dusty Rhodes. It just looks bruised, like purple and dark blue, like across, like almost like if he had a headband on, you know, right at the hairline. Right. It just looks so rough. And it wasn't like one spot. It was the entire, like, and if I can remember correctly, because I believe that was a Russian chain match that like, it's kind of think of Shiki Baby given the camel clutch, except for he's used, got like, Nikita's got the chain around his forehead. Right. Yeah. There might've been pictures of that. Yeah. yeah and I think that's of something of... that was in the magazine, like, you know, the right. damage from the chain match, the Russian okay. chain match. So that's uh, how we get to like two nothing for Nikita. You know, sometimes you would think they would go back and forth or doing a best of seven, but they, they went a little different with that this time. So here we are. It's not that much later. We have the July 11th card. So that's the uh, Roanoke Civic Center 
and we get the third match. Again, no notation, just that it's 3-0 for Nikita. It's like, you know, he's batting, batting a thousand. He's, he's got a shutout. So it's one more win, and the Russian gets this, you know, disputed U.S. title, because if people remember, Magnum T.A., when not the smartest move, punched out the, NW, the president of the NWA and lost his title. Magnum Tantrum. That's right. T.A. <laughs> It's pretty good. That's going to bring us up to like where they're going to have this match. Otherwise, Magnum's being involved a lot, We've as we saw with Dusty and the Midnight Express, and he's part of those things. So that's something that's going to come up. But that those are the, the biggest pieces. And again, all these cards, if we were to read them off, it's kind of like, uh, how do you say it? It's like you're just shuffling the Rubik's Cube just a tiny bit, like taking the same group of wrestlers for the most part and just slightly switching like who's wrestling who, Oh, there's like, you know, maybe there's someone subbing in on for a Rock and Roll Express or a Road Warrior because one of them is fighting Flair and then trying to like keep these things fresh and trying to rotate, you know, Tully Blanchard. Is he fighting Ron Garvin? Is he fighting Wahoo? You know, is he fighting somebody else? Yes, he is. He's fighting Sam Houston on today's legendary wrestling obsession. So (laughs) stay tuned and we'll actually get to some wrestling. That's right. So that's going to bring us pretty much to the point where we're going to get to this TV show. That was July 11th, I just mentioned, so that's perfect timing. July 12th, it was the last show we had. Now we're getting to the 19th. That's the next World Championship Wrestling episode. And we're going to cover a couple of matches and a really funny, hilarious spot at the end of the card, uh, at the end of the show. And that will bring us, once we're done all that, up to the point where we'll be ready next week to deliver to you the full Great American Bash card. So really, I just can't believe how lucky these people are to get this much quality on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, we had some very weak Saturday morning WWF programming. And what did we do as such youngsters to deserve this deprivation, (laughs) this dearth of quality wrestling? I don't know. But anyway, um, so it's July 19th and we're in Columbia, South Carolina. We we talk a lot about North Carolina because Ric Flair is from North Carolina, but spiritually, yes, <laughs> he's from Minneapolis oh. originally. Actually, I oh believe. gosh, and, well, yeah. okay, th- all right, then they just they would yeah, say he, he adopted that as his home for sure, for sure. Okay, and hails from yeah. yeah. So, thank you for the specifics there. So, Columbia, South Carolina is has got this. I, I don't know if the. Um, the card we looked at last week and those cool silhouettes we talked about yeah. where the fans were in the, you know in front of these huge windows but they were backlit so you know you don't know what they looked like you could just see the, right. the the shape of them anyway this is another special looking place it's different it's for one thing they, it's hardwood floors. You can't see any basketball markings on a. It doesn't. Right. It look. It look a dance hall. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now you told you mentioned earlier that the specific of the venue. It didn't mean anything to me, but I did notice that uh, this is the kind of floor where Andre would say, "Don't go down." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, Township Auditorium. It's noted as a sellout. It doesn't say how many people that is. But right. Well, there's there we no go. pads. And I don't think there's a lot of give on this hardwood, this beautiful floor. (laughs) That's right. But it's one of the things that sticks out. And the barricades are, they're not sort of the um, up and down, the the vertical posts. It's, you know, more like um, uh, they're almost look like pens for livestock because it's got, you know, (laughs) it's got the the horizontal and and they're and also they look kind of not very rounded. They look kind of like square poles or something. Yeah. yeah, Square rods. Yeah. But this, it's it's late summer. It must be 
for our American listeners, 100 degrees in there. <laughs> or 30 degrees for our, you know, local yeah, Canadian. 38 for... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's really hot, you know, midsummer, and every, every wrestler's sweating within, like, you know, <laughs> by the time... You know, they're, they're introduced. So the first match is the Golden Terror versus Don Kernoodle, who's a yeah, poor yeah. man, Sergeant Slaughter. Right. And the crowd is crazy for them. Right. I, I've never heard of either of these guys before well, or you after. you familiar with Don Kernoodle? Like, no. I haven't seen him wrestle a lot, but he's, to me, what he's famous for is he's, he's Sergeant Slaughter's partner. Well, and this very, <laughs> yes, there you go. Of course, that's why he looks like him. <laughs> and before there was Starcade, there was this big tag match between Slaughter and Noodle versus Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. And they there was this big thing where they so sold. So heels this, then. Yeah, they're, they're heels. Slaughter and Noodle are Because Noodle's getting cheered here. Yeah, he's a bad guy back then. This is a, right? This has got to be 82 or 81 or something like that. Maybe 82. I can't believe and there's it. This, I had no there's idea. And there's this big, there's this, they sell this thing out. Like they literally, I, I think I've heard that they turned like 5,000 people away at the door or something like that they main eventing yes this tag team match main event that they built this feud up with this big angle on tv and they they sold some other place out they had like a little uh like a little closed circuit connection going on like a small hall for like i don't know 500 people or a thousand people and they still had and all these people drove in from different towns and they weren't expecting it and that's when the you know the idea came up about like and people started going like oh if we actually like you know give them something on tv enough and build it up we can you know draw these people to an arena and then other people will pay money to sit somewhere else and watch it on TV. <laughs> you know, wow. Like, and that's sort of the, the, the idea of Starcade was sort of, you know, or and, let's say and the, I pr- guess the proof of concept was this this tag match, this big hot tag match. That people would be willing to pay it even if, like, they, by if watching they it. There. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you could, you could, if you had the technology to, to link that show, that live. live broadcast, into a different arena in a different city, that people would pay money to go sit there and watch it. That's wild because I mean that's obviously historic in the development of pay per views. Yeah, and here's me thinking, who's Don Kernoodle? <laughs> well, again, yeah, if he came through the AWA, he didn't leave an impression on us. I mean, there's so many people that wrestled in the AWA when we were kids that we're not going to remember if we don't go specifically look it up. If they weren't in Sheik's Army or Jim Brunzel or Greg Gagne or you know the the mainstays, the big names. So yeah, Don Kernoodle, I don't think he's you know obviously he just he's not a huge name in wrestling you know outside of like if you're not like, like from that era, if you're not into that, you're not going to know who he is. His, his name doesn't survive on. He's not a junkyard dog. You know, he's not going to, he doesn't have this big celebrity status of sort of from that time. But he was, you know, pre- apparently pretty important, it seems. Oh, well, how about that? Um, anyway, it's a competitive match and the crowd's already really into it. And yeah. they're, they're cheering this Don Carnoodle guy who I, who has a lot more behind, going for him than I knew, like he was Hulk Hogan. And the, crowd, <laughs> the crowd is just, you know, really hot. So uh, Jim Cornette does a kind of a hosting sub duties. He, you know, right. that always cut away to just him and Bubba's behind him. It's actually a little embarrassing because Bubba is more like a Cylon from, you know, where they had the red eye that went the Battlestar left. Galactica. Yeah, the, the eye, yeah. you know, which was like an LED just went from left to right, <laughs> yeah. left to right scanning. And that's like Bubba's just like, what? He's looking left and he's looking right. Yeah, and he's just like. coming to get Cornette. That's right. Um, and he doesn't say anything. He's got the sunglasses. They're both wearing white, I guess, because it's July and it's like yeah. boiling outside. It's fun. The sun must have finally set, I think, but. 
What's sad is that we understand the idea that not everybody's a talker, but Big Boss Man would go on to be a very competent talker. At this point, they're not trusting him with two no, syllables, no. not even a grunt or, uh, <laughs> you know, no, no, tell him, Bubba, nothing like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. To the point where Jim says, Bubba told me, he said this, and he's standing right there. <laughs> he said, blah, 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 Dusty Rhodes, he told me, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, when you think for a second, yeah, you're yeah. like, come on, you're really. It would have been funny if you just saw like a really subtle, like, Bubba of like, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. lifting his head and his hand, like he's going to talk and then realizing like no Cornette's talking for him. <laughs> right. Well, at one moment, it made, when I thought about his skills on the mic, boss man later, right. I thought like you're overprotecting him here and, and like, you know, anyway. So, so last week, David was on assignment and we had Cornette as a special guest commentator with Tony. So is David back? Uh, David's back commenting. He's making calls. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, did you say he was gone for heart surgery? Cause he no, gets no, no, excited. No, he, was gone for, he was gone for business. Like, you know, he right. was on business. He was out on business somewhere. <laughs> well, he, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he, his voice gave out on him more if he like, cause he gets more excited, I think than any announcer. That's right. I feel he is the biggest fan. Cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. When, when it's, um, when the matches are going and he should be calling the <laughs> matches, you know, like it's, it's fun though. It's quite endearing. I think the Warlord makes another appearance with Baby yeah, Doll. Yeah, another one of those quick squashies. Yeah, another quick squashy. But really, all of these matches, the people are very excited for. And most of this program is top quality entertainment. So we are going to focus on Sam Houston has a title shot against the national champion, Tully Blanchard. And this is interesting for a bunch of reasons because, uh, well, to me anyway, so uh, we're gonna, we'll take our time with it. Among other things, this is a chance to see Tully as a singles wrestler. That's right, yeah. And we're not going to get a lot more of that. Uh, he's going to, you know, from here on, he'll be, um, I think, anyway, uh, much more about, you know, the Bostons. He'll, he'll go to the WWF with Arn Anderson. And, of course, we love that, you yeah. know. It'll probably be... Uh, too short for our tastes. We know that's the case. But um, so it's really great to see one singles match that Tully Blanchard, who has, has great pace and timing and is an excellent performer, just to get to see him as a singles wrestler. This is among the reasons I wanted to take the time and, and cover this match. And the other thing is that um, Sam Houston shines. He's absolutely terrific. And it made me interested to see a, a, other things about his career. Right. And uh, so I looked him up. The most fun thing that I found was, well, first of all, I, I, I found something that uh, quite entertained me. But in the general, I found something interesting. You mentioned Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase came in as a babyface. Yep. And he teamed with San Houston, <laughs> turned heel during a tag match. Okay. And that was the end of DiBiase's good guy run <laughs> in the WWF by turning on Sam Houston during right. a tag oh, I see match. What you're saying. Yeah, yeah, okay. Tagged, tagged with Sam as the baby face. Yeah. And DiBiase went heel, attacked Sam Houston during the match. <laughs> and I have no idea how Million Dollar Man played into any of that. I assume yeah, we did not. Using that gimmick I yet. assume not. Yeah. I assume he just showed up as, you know, because he's Ted DiBiase, you know, Southern, Mid-South Star. Yeah. Maybe he had the loaded glove <laughs> and no beard. Well, I remember when he took it off. There was a promo I've heard him where he takes off the glove when he- Yeah, I don't need to cheat anymore. Yeah, that's right. I took a lot of shortcuts. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one interesting thing. Another interesting thing was that I found that uh, Sam Houston on July 26th, Married baby doll. Yeah, I knew that. That I knew that because they kind of he got her in trouble. Basically, like she, he was, uh, you know, she was actually kind of 
You mean knocked her up? You can say that now. No, yeah. no, 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 no. He <laughs> like basically she's running with the top dogs here, right? She's yeah. the manager for Dusty, or you know, at one point she's with the Horsemen, you know, this and that. And they're basically kind of sort of like the way Paul Ellering was like a real manager to the Road Warriors, like handled their book, like their travel itinerary and all that shit. So Baby Doll would kind of do that for people too. And so the guys were making her, because often what would happen is by the time the show's done, most of the restaurants are closed. So often they couldn't get food on the nights that they were working. So they would send Baby Doll to like, run errands you know during the during the card when she wasn't needed out at ringside and she would run out and get food for you know let's say the horsemen when she was with them and then sam houston basically as her you know fiance or husband or whatever the timeline was said like hey they're taking advantage of you don't do that stuff and then basically caused like a rift between the office and baby doll and himself and everyone got mad at him and it's one of the main reasons that he left for the wwf was he sort of like a little bit of a political falling out behind the scenes so that's how i knew that these two these two were married which had nothing to do with their on-screen characters you know like yeah there was no there was no connection whatsoever on jcp about like those two being together well he's currently listed as semi-retired <laughs> he, won, he won a belt in 2022 oh wow yeah, and like, but it, for like maybe I, I don't know how many matches. One, one night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pay per view, you know. But anyway, let's focus on the pos- positive. Yes. There were, you know, you can definitely uh, watch the dark side of the ring, and you can learn about the dark side of uh, being in that family because he was. Uh, oh, I found out that there was at least one tag match with Jake. Oh, neat. Yeah, that and mean, uh, would that have been mid south or no in the WWF? According to Wikipedia, which now this brings me to another thing. Wikipedia is not infallible. Of course not. You know, the founder himself has said, don't don't trust Wikipedia. You know, but but it's always good to know what people want you to think. So like, you know, (laughs) sure, read Wikipedia. Yeah. There's there's lots there's lots of helpful information on there, but you're right. There is they do get some stuff wrong. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, the other thing that I wanted to, to say is that a lot of talk these days about AI, artificial intelligence, and what it means to, uh, you know, the future of humanity. And I can tell you, folks, that here at Legendary Wrestling Obsession, we are human hosts. We are not bleep, blorp, AI radio <laughs> hosts. I took a listen to the AI Joe Rogan experience where, like, it sounds really convincing. The so only like they, they recreate his voice? Yeah. Yeah. Just make up things that he would say. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of the Joe Rogan AI experience. I'm your host, Joe Rogan, or at least that's what this AI model thinks I sound like. Let me tell you, folks. Oh, wow. The only thing that I noticed in like the three or four minutes that I listened was that he never got crazy. Like, oh, I can't. You know, like it, it didn't yeah. do that. Like, you know, which a person may not really do necessarily, but it also was right. about the only thing that. I mean, there was a lot of, that's crazy. I can't believe it. And it was sounded just like Joe Rogan. The point is, if ever legendary wrestling obsession sounds like this, then you know that the artificial intelligence has taken over. The Wikipedia <laughs> entry is, uh, I would like to, Corey's listening enjoyment and yours, I would like to present to you Sam Houston's first loss, according to Wikipedia. And what I think just might be, an AI entry. <laughs> so we often like to give you matches, you know, 
blow by blow to try to recreate for you, you know, the, 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 the sights and the sounds. And I mean, even if Jimmy Hart's there with his diffuser, the smells of an actual live wrestling match. So the smells of Vader's undergarments. <laughs> 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 um, so someone has done that on this Wikipedia entry, but I, I'm not sure whether, uh, you know, something is lost in translation. So here goes the professional wrestling career, early career, 1983 to 1985. <clears throat> Houston started wrestling in 1983, initially competing in championship wrestling from Florida. Okay, nothing suspicious here. <laughs> After claiming victories over a few opponents with his finisher Bulldog in 1984, babyface rookie Houston had been chosen to be NWA's Prince Charming by his handsome look among wrestling fans, especially women, but was publicly criticized by male TV commentators to be rather Amer America's next top model than wrestler due to his slim body. Houston's big challenge was when he had to team up with Bubba Douglas in February 4 against the Assassins. Houston's signature moves such as beautiful and swift dropkick and arm drag worked so well that Houston seemed a little overconfident and led him got slammed gently one time by Assassin number 2. Nevertheless, Houston could escape from being pinned and delivered unexpected sudden flying cross body towards Assassin number 1, even unable to pin his rival. But still got applause and cheers from his fans. Match's turning point was when Assassin No. 2 failed elbow drop to Bubba Douglas and caused reckless Houston rushed into the ring to use Bulldog. Houston's stomach was attacked by Assassin No. 2's torpedo head and his face and jaw were severely punched by Assassin No. 1 before Assassin No. 2 did consecutively huge power slams to Houston twice before Assassin No. 1 followed with high-flying knee-dropping attack heavily on Houston's soft <laughs> chest and caused Houston extremely exhausted and experienced difficulty breathing and finally got pinned easily. Houston was shocked by his first loss and admitted he would really could not withstand the assassin's powerful strikes from both assassin number one and number two at the same time. After that match, his opponents, including Buddy Landell, Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Dick Slater, Wahoo McDaniel, and Billy Graham, attempted to target Houston's weak chest by elbow drop or karate chop before using their <laughs> finishers to beat helpless and powerless Sam Houston. <laughs> the end. I don't know to what degree human hands <laughs> yeah. crafted that, but that's if AO takes, AI takes over our jobs. I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kari. Yeah, yeah. We hope everybody enjoyed. That's from directly from the Wikipedia page, and I did, yeah. I did that pretty well. I, I, did, I was very few flubs. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I purposely, you know. Yeah. Leaned into the every a verbatim awkwardness of how it's worded. Yeah. That's right. Um, anyway, so I think that that was some. I, I think that was AI, or maybe it could have been. It occurred to me that maybe could be a language yeah, barrier, yeah, yeah. But it's more fun, yeah, I yeah. think. That's right. Anyway, we actually do have a, a great match that uh, I watched and would like to explain to everybody because it, it uh, it's Tully kicking ass and Sam Houston. I didn't realize that he could put on yeah. a, a, a headliner main event quality match, but he does here and, it, yeah. and he's terrific. And what's kind of funny about that little AI thing is that the women are digging him. So, you know, there's not... It's not completely crazy. Like he had a bit of that rock and roll express yeah, appeal yeah. because I mean, right. he's young and slim. And uh, yep. anyway, so uh, yeah, now I'm going to tell you how the match went down. Now, it is a title defense, which has less 
I don't know, wait to me. In these times, in the NWA, there are too many belts. Yeah, we when we saw Sam, as far as success goes, he had a belt. Like, we, we got to see one of the episodes where the Road Warriors helped him win the Mid-Atlantic title from Crusher Khrushchev. That was great. Yeah, so, that, so he had a belt, and then at some point he must have lost it to Black Bart, because we've seen Black Bart defending that belt now. Absolutely. So, very, you know, yes, very good. Thank so you, Corey. You know, he's, uh, I'm Precisely. sure if you go look, he's probably got other regional titles, but that was a, that would be a big feather in his cap, mid-Atlantic champion. Uh, uh, probably could be the highlight. Might Nicole, be, yeah, definitely. I would say because I looked at the other stuff and uh, he did have less uh, success, you know, in the WWF. Yeah, both and, for sure, yeah. Um, and then he went to WCW and uh, anyway, for only about a year. And uh, so to be fair, I'm focusing on one full episode of this program. So what are the other matches, Corey, before we get to Sam Houston versus Tully Blanchard? Yeah, not talking about all the different interview segments and every other little bit that they might have on the TV show. But after we get through what we've talked about... There would be a Crusher Khrushchev. Uh, he pins Todd Champion using the Russian sickle. That's kind of funny. It's like, all the Russians use it. <laughs> it's a shared move. And then we have uh, Nelson Royal, someone that we like to pick on a little bit because he <laughs> did not have the look of a mid-80s wrestler. He, he did not look like a wrestler, but he pinned Mitch Snow, who I'm not sure who that is, with an inside cradle. And then we get to like what looks like three big matches on uh, to finish up the card. Absolutely. And we're paying the most attention to the first of the big matches <laughs> <laughs> because we haven't really ever featured Sam Houston here on Legendary Wrestling Obsession. And I'll just say right from the beginning, I saw some hints of Barry Windham for the first time oh, ever. Yeah, yeah. I never really thought about it before, but in this particular case, he's even got the red bandana around his neck yeah, like yeah. Barry would wear, you know, yeah. like very subtle kind of cowboy stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, Sam's got the white hat. That's right. Black not quite as tall as Barry, not quite as thick as Barry, but yeah, he's got that tall, lanky, blonde, long, you know, longish kind of shaggy blonde hair. He's not long hair, but he's got like sort of, you know. I wouldn't say he's got blonde hair, did you say? Light brown, I guess, you know, but. Yeah. yeah. He, I, Sam Heaton's definitely, to me, a brunette, for sure. Yeah, so yeah. I would say Sam. But light, lighter colored hair. He's like, yeah. he hasn't got black hair. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't have blonde hair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also got. One wrist covered by the uh, red bandana, and he's got red boots. Tully Blanchard actually does have a bit of bling on his robe. He's got a nice sort of black velvety robe with, uh, you know, the sort of Sergeant Pepper flourishes and twirls. And uh, so he's got something. There's no music uh, for Houston or Tully Blanchard, so we don't get any particular um, pops. There's no Road Warrior pop, you know, with no music. <laughs> uh, Tully is wearing the gold. Always looks good. I mean, there are too many belts, but it does look good. J.J. Dillon, who is a, you know, a younger man than you would think from afar because his hair is is a blonde that you know, might make you think he's older, but he's wearing a cream suit as well because I guess all these guys were outside earlier in, uh, in the July heat. But uh, there you are painting the picture and a really fun opening spot. Like this match uh, starts with a really exciting, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's unique. I've never even really seen it. Tully has just handed the belt to Tommy Young and J.J. Dillon's on the apron. Uh, he hasn't descended to the floor yet, and and he's talking to Tully. They're basically close enough that they can just chat, and they're and they're you know discussing strategy. But neither one of them are really paying attention. And so Tommy Young takes the belt, and he's going to walk over to the timekeeper's table. But he Tommy Young is ever vigilant, so he's got one eye on Sam. And Sam looks a little bit. He's already on high alert. And uh, <laughs> next thing you know, Sam runs up behind Tully Blanchard, 
chest to back, pushes him on the ropes, and this causes J.J. Dillon to take a bump and hit the apron <laughs> splat. He's on his ass. Yeah, yeah, Telly yeah. has no idea. He's got this shock looked on his face. And then, it, of course, then we, we, it, this is a roll-up. Sam Houston puts his arms around Telly's waist and then, you know, uses his uh, the spring off the ropes to yeah, roll yeah. backwards. Yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, Telly's folded in half with his shoulders <laughs> on the mat. And Sam Houston, you know, he's got his hands on the mat and his feet on yeah, the mat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful, I think it's just called a roll-up. Yeah, right? r- rolling versus cradle often people will call Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. And then like Tommy Young is so great because he's like, he's going to the timekeeper's table and then he kind of looks behind him. He's like, hey, something's happening here. He sees <laughs> Sam move. Tommy Young just drops the belt, switches around and goes for the, you know, and like yeah. one, two. And I thought the, you were going to say he still had the belt in his hands or something when he was counting. Well, the belt's on the ring, in yeah, the yeah, ring, yeah. on the mat. He doesn't even throw it. He just drops it where it is and like gets into place. Like he just is so good, Tommy Young. Yeah. And so we, at two count and Dylan and Blanchard just look humiliated that like, you know, <laughs> Uh, that Sam Houston like almost won the match in the first three seconds like the yeah. bell rings and it's one two so boy what and, and it sets a, this is a really exciting pace that it sets for the match Tully and J.J. Dillon are, are such great actors you know at humiliated and flustered that's right yeah so it's all Sam for like you know six or seven minutes he's just on fire and the crowd is absolutely 100% behind him maybe he's gonna get the belt back he's had gold before and uh, it, it could be his night and uh, also there is a real huge female presence tonight because Ricky Morton's wrestling that's right (laughs) and there are so many women with cameras there but they also like Sam so you know they're they're in force but you ain't seen nothing yet So Sam Houston starts giving him right hands. Tully, each one drops him to either a single knee or both <laughs> knees. And the crowd pops because he spaces them out. So a huge yeah. pop for each one of these right hands. And Tully's, you know, selling them so beautifully. The final one, Tully's in the corner. Yeah. So Sam gives him an Irish whip. And Tully basically sells not only his back, you know, into the turnbuckles, but comes out and takes a back body drop. Right. And the crowd's just like... Rah! I mean, we've already seen the the reverse cradle. I mean, this is really exciting. Another massive right hand, another massive crowd pop. Irish hip, reverse elbow. Tully Blanchard is a crash test dummy. (laughs) He's great on his own as a singles wrestler. I just love it. And, of course, he's also wonderful when he's, you know, uh, as a tag team. Like he's That's got right. such great ring psychology. Sam Houston gives him a right hand, another body slam, and he can do no wrong. He covers him, but it's too soon. Gets a two count till he kicks out. Now they got to calm down just a little bit. So we get a side headlock and a bit of a rest there on the mat. But, um, you know, the guy's got to breathe and, like, they're glistening with sweat already. So they're down to the mat. Eventually, we have Tully, you know, is on his stomach and, and uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost like that, uh, what the bulldog looks like when it's right about to crash. Right, but they're yeah, just, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, he's just wearing him down on the side yeah. headlock. But this is also a way for the guy who's getting his, who's in the side headlock, he can, like, do a little switcheroo leverage and go for a pin attempt. Right, roll so, it back, yeah. Yeah. So Tully does that, right? And Tommy hits the mat once. But it's so clear that he's holding down. Sam can't get out because, like, Tully's got his trunks. That, like, Tommy only counts once and he's like, hey. And he actually pushes Sam back into the headlock because, you know, it's totally a trunk grab illegal pin attempt. And so, you know, Tommy is as important a player. Illegal leverage. Yeah. So it's great. And just, like, Sam won't let go. And he he knows he would get pinned. And a lesser referee, Danny Davis, would have given the three count to Tully Blanchard. And the match is over. Title retained. J.J. Dillon, Tully, Danny Davis, all hugging in the corner and jumping up and down. 
anyway, I love watching JJ freak out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, at one point, Tully grabs Sam Houston's hair. Tommy Young, of course, won't have that, so he's lecturing Tully. But Tully does finally get some offense in. I think he's in a side headlock, and he starts to uh, use his forearms. He's clubbing Sam Houston in the gut. And this allows him to loosen that, you know, side headlock. And we get a push off. Sam flies into the ropes, but he comes back and flattens Tully with a shoulder block. Tully's down. Sam decides to keep running the ropes. And now he does one. Actually, it looks, I was expecting, uh, you know, the over-under business. Right. But Sam does a fucking really athletic cartwheel. And Tully's just kind of like surprised and dazed because it's, <laughs> un, you know, characteristic. Usually, you know, I'll just jump over you. That'll be easier. Right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't do it. I never did a proper cartwheel in my life. I can't <laughs> yeah, do a cartwheel. Right. And then a drop kick. It was great. Like this uh, match is awesome. Sam puts another side headlock onto Blanchard. Oh, actually, and then it's a side headlock takedown. So they're back on the mat, catching their breath. But actually, wait, no. As soon as he, uh, the Tully escapes encounters with the head scissors right away to break this headlock. So they're still on the move. We cut to the crowd. Can't always see what's happening. Yeah. And uh, here's where Coach David super founds, get him, get him, gig. No, get him, get him. He doesn't even say what's happening. I'm like, you know, make the calls, you know. But he's just, he's just cheering on Sam. Yeah. We get the same rest spot where, you know, uh, Sam is just basically grinding his forearm to Tully's head where they're both resting, you know, Tully's on his tummy sort of laying on the mat. The commentators are making, it's Tony Schiavone who's there, you know, a very familiar voice and voice of reason, you know, to bring David back down to earth. lawful good Tony Schiavone. Yep. They make reference to uh, the Mid-Atlantic Championship and like, and actually now I remember that it was pretty good TV seeing Khrushchev lose the belt to uh, Sam Houston. yeah, yeah. And we saw Sam pull a beautiful bulldog last week. Yeah, we didn't. The, and we, you know, we, we didn't even quite describe it well enough because I think the thing that's so unique about the guy was going for a hip toss. Yeah, it, he, Sam Houston delivers his offense out of defense. It's like you know he's being the guy's whipping him off the ropes to do a move to him, and Sam counters whatever that move's going to be and just throws his legs in the air and dives at the guy and catches his head and gives him a bulldog as opposed to like taking him in the corner like Barry Windham, let's say, and then yeah. running out and, and jumping. It was great. And, and because of the way Sam Houston's doing it, he's got so much momentum, kind of like we talked about with the Tito Santana flying forearm. It just, it looks so much more devastating than just a typical bulldog because he's 100%. just, he's going so fast. And he does it sometimes from like an angle. Like it's almost like he, he gets like, when he's doing the tag team, we saw one where Cowboy there, <laughs> whatever his name is. The, Nelson Royal? Yeah, Nelson Royal would whip the guy, and then Sam Houston would time it so that he was coming at, let's say, a 45-degree angle behind the guy, and he catches up to him like as that right. guy's running. So the guy's already running in that direction with some momentum, and then he comes and nails him. Yeah. The bulldog. Yeah. Like it's I'm, really well, I, well-timed. I kind of wish better things had happened for Sam Houston you know, in the ring in his career because he really had talent, a it lot of timing, talent. It was timing. Like, you look at, the, look at the steroid scandal. Had he been in his prime in like 92, 93, I bet you there could have been something good for him like because they had to go to the smaller guys and if he was wrestling in like 2010 or 15 and afterwards when they really went to the smaller guys he'd be the the king of the world and uh, if he you know maybe the the whole baby doll thing I had no idea that it it soured things in some way yeah I don't want to overstate how much I know about it but I definitely have heard a lot of different people from the Tonys and Arns and whatever they all kind of say yeah like that you know kind of messed up both of them had Negative implications to their career, their relationship, basically, like kind of ruined wrestling for both of them. Okay, back to the match. Um, not bad time. Not, yeah. I'm not blaming you. Okay. But it, uh, I don't want to, because uh, yeah. we do sometimes, you know, get away from the action. <laughs> the wrestlers in mid-pose were looking at us. Come yeah, on, like, come go. on. That's right. <laughs> so once they've rested, they work their way to their feet. And it's funny because you can hear a guy in the crowd saying, don't give him a break. 
you know, yeah. like Houston, you know, don't let up on, on, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on, but actually it turns out to be literal because Houston does give the clean break to Tully, you know, right? Yeah. And yeah, Tully yeah. slaps him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and so the David's like, you heard the fans say, don't give him a break. And then you got to slap in the face for it. <laughs> and then we have a sucker chase rare fail. Okay. Tully bails. Sam chases him. Yeah. And you think, uh, JJ's out there, so things can only go badly. Yeah, right. He'll get distracted and stomped on or elbow dropped on as this he comes works, back in. It works on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even Jake, the smartest, yeah, most right. cunning wrestler in the world. <laughs> he falls for it. He falls for the sucker chase. But something goes wrong. It, JJ doesn't attack him until <laughs> <laughs> he takes a couple of shots. And next thing you know, Sam Houston's in the center of the ring and Tully's on the apron. So Sam comes over and punches Tully a couple of times <laughs> and then brings Tully in the hard way. Ooh. Beautiful suplex, blam. Nothing goes wrong. No JJ pulling ankles. Yeah, just yeah. Tully on the you know on the beaten end, the receiving of this, end of yeah, the big suplex of these yeah this quality beatings. As a matter of fact, we get a two count out of that beautiful suplex. Tully gets back to his feet, and Sam Houston starts unloading the right hands. One, <laughs> two. Three, and then we see a move that Ric Flair likes to use. You'll grab the front of your trunks, you know, yeah, your yeah. waistband, and then you fall down while yeah, pulling yeah. the guy forward. That's right. Pull him so, over you. Yeah, pull him over you. And so Sam Houston eats turnbuckles, Ooh. George Animal Steel style. <laughs> Ooh. And he just goes. Without an affinity for fluff. That's right. But he's seeding the cuckoo birds and the stars are, you know, <laughs> this is clobbered him. So Tully takes over. Tully batters him with some, with some forearms, and then while Sam's doubled over, he takes you know the sort of the uh, his boot laces and rakes them across his eyes, <laughs> and then. Now, remember I mentioned this hard floor looks like a dance floor. Yeah. But then again, dance floors actually are supposed to be sprung. like right, Because people, yeah. you know, so that's not quite, maybe it's not as bad as I think. Because if people are supposed to dance on this, then there, there should be some give. Because, mm, you know. Interesting e- point, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you're like, theoretically, even if you're line dancing, you don't want to do it on concrete. You'd like to do it on something a little softer, like possibly wood that has yeah, some yeah. spring. If it, you know, Anyway. Point being that uh, when he when these guys get thrown out of the ring, there's no mat, and so they're selling that they're hurt, and they yeah. and it, it, maybe it does hurt because you have to assume it hurts to a degree, at least a minimum. <laughs> right. Well, JJ distracts the referee, goes up onto the apron, and Tully throws Sam over the top rope. Oh, that's a no-no. Yeah, Royal Rumble style or whatever, you know, elimination. And so it's a hard floor. So Sam is hurt because he's gone over the top, and that is supposed to be a DQ. Where it wasn't, you know, like it depends on where you're watching the wrestling. You know, that's not always. Exactly, yeah. I mean, coming up the top rope was illegal illegal in AWA. What would Macho Man have done? Yeah. So Tommy Young, eventually he's got to start the count. I mean, he uh, looks to the crowd and was like, it was an over-the-top rope. But, you know, he's like, yeah, Yeah, yeah. my hands are tied. Starts counting Sam Houston out of the match. We get a TV ad. And when we come back, David's just freaking out, you know. (laughs) Screaming at the top of his youngs was like belligerent. You don't even know what's going on. And Tully's in charge. He hits him with a rib buster, like a backbreaker, but instead, you know, like right into the stomach, not yeah. onto the side. Like pick yeah. a guy up and then you like the guy it, face down. I guess yeah, that's right. Delivers it. That's right. Like putting like Johnny went and burnt down the the outhouse. <laughs> now we're gonna give him a licking. You know, like, <laughs> like bump. but first we'll give him a stomach breaker. <laughs> he's he's rowdy that Johnny. Anyway, Tully gets a two count, but those long legs of Sam Houston are able to reach to the ropes. Then Tully gives him a proper backbreaker. And then something, a neat sort of elbow drop. Sam's on his back, so Tully rolls him over to elbow him, you know, 
elbow the back of his ribs. Okay. Yeah, most elbow drops are across the chest while the guy's, yeah, you yeah. know, face up. Yeah. But Tully makes a point of rolling him over and driving his elbow into, into Sam Houston's ribs. Ooh. He does that a couple of times. Then we have a not a camel clutch <laughs> because of he he's like in the position of a camel clutch, but instead yeah. he puts his spine on the mat instead of centering himself. He does a camel clutch, but just loops a leg over instead of going for the full chic baby. So it's more like yeah. a chin lock while Sam's on his belly and Telly's sitting on the mat. Yeah, reverse chin lock from a seated position. But basically. Yeah, yeah, but it, it like you scoot your butt over and you got a camel clutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come <laughs> on, Anyway, that doesn't last too long. We have some commentary. <laughs> David Crockett. Look at the eyes of Telly Blanchard. The, the evil of the <laughs> <laughs> Cunning. And it's pretty fun. Uh, Sam makes his way up. We start get to have some comeback elbow. You know, often when you're in a headlock or something, you know, you can try to give some elbows to the gut to rally. Yeah, to rally, yeah. Yeah. But Tully, there is a, and, and indeed Sam, Bounces off the ropes. Tully goes sort of underneath him, but actually sidesteps him and pushes him from behind so that Sam dives through the second and the third rope. He's back on the floor again and he's hurt. Kind of pushes him through. And then we get the very, the smooth shoe, J.J. (laughs) Dillon. (laughs) While uh, Tully's talking. Yeah. It's off his foot and onto Sam's head and back <laughs> on his so foot quick. <laughs> yeah. so quick and you're just like what happened and so Tommy Young even even the great Tommy Young cannot cool. find it's so quick and smooth yeah the smooth shoe that's right so Tully so distracts couldn't even smell the bad uh, that's right. odors of the shoe well he's got the cleanest finest linen right. stockings yes. you know this is a class this is the horseman <laughs> so <laughs> if you didn't get the idea Sam Houston eats a size 11 <laughs> And he gets back into the ring. And this is what the only thing that, like, you can say, oh, well, I mean, so there is some cheating. Yeah. You you cannot claim clean. You cannot claim clean. That's right. Not when you take a shoe from J.J. Dillon. (laughs) Then Tully grabs a double handful of hair and pulls Sam into the ring that way, which Tommy doesn't like. But uh, somehow... JJ distracts Tommy and Tully throws Sam over the top rope again the other side <laughs> um, and it's, because it's JJ talking to Tommy Young. That's right. So poor Sam, really hurt. Yeah, that frail body, a thin body is not meant for smashing on the floor. <laughs> right. Well, at least he doesn't have Kendall Wind- Windham. That's physique. right. That's right. Even though Kendall Windham, Windham would probably kick my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Tully comes over to where Sam's trying to get back into the ring, gives him the kick in the apron, then that breaks up the count. But, you know, Sam, it doesn't know, we don't know if he's going to be able to recover from all this cheating, you know, the shoes and the throwing over the top rope. But Sam tries to rally. He's on the apron and he shoulders Tully. Well, he's on the outside, Tully's on the inside. But he had to get a sh- couple shoulders. And then he goes sailing over top of Tully Blanchard and we get an attempted sunset flip and we actually get a uh-huh. two count. And then... We get a beautiful neck breaker. No, Tully attempts to do that, but Sam has a presence of mind to turn it into a backslide. Another pin attempt. Okay. And it's a one and a two, and Tully kicks out of the backslide. Tully winds up and goes for a huge right hand, which Sam ducks. Tully spins around 180, and this is a perfect chance to deliver. Is it going to be a back suplex? Is it going to be an atomic drop? It's an atomic drop. <laughs> and he just, like, the way that Tully puts his legs up, like, heels yes, up, yes. you know, to sell for it, like, he, it, it right. just looks amazing. It's, it, that reminds me of the Bob Backlund atomic drop, because he literally used it as a finisher at times, where he would run, he'd, he'd lift the guy up, feet to the sky, yeah. and then he'd run out of the corner, you know, to the middle of the ring, and... Pew! 
and bounce that guy off his knees, you know. Atomic drop. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. And that's what Sam Houston delivers to Tully. It looks fantastic. The crowd's just really popping for it. We get a big right hand, and then we get some Jake jabs. And I start to wonder, you know, if they had any, <laughs> you know, uh, their, uh, you know, why, if it's on, there's a good reason. Maybe they got, Todd had to punch. Their, it's their family punch. Yeah, exactly. Jake jabs are happening, which are the quick lefts. Then a big right drops Tully to his knees. And spins Tully around to the point where poor Tommy Young doesn't get the impact of Tully's shoulder in his crotch, but he basically, <laughs> Tully winds up leaning on, on Tommy Young, a semi-unconscious, Tully, a, a barely conscious there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can see Tommy's like, those are my balls. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, you know, like, but it's not a thump, you know, yeah, he doesn't yeah. actually get sacked, yeah. but definitely Tommy's trapped for one second there. He's, it's, it's the old kind of like tennis conjury got, you know, Knocked into Tommy the other day, yeah, yeah, and Tommy yeah, yeah. got trapped behind, trapped behind Dennis Condry. Now he's trapped by <laughs> Tully Blanchard, who's on his knees, and you know, yeah, shoulder first. And uh, oh. Tommy's not going anywhere until he just gently moves t- <laughs> Tully Blanchard out of the corner, who's semi-conscious. Semi-conscious. We're g- going home. We're getting there real quick. We get more right hands. As a matter of fact, Sam Houston climbs on the second turnbuckle. He's on the second rope, and he's punching Tully but this is his error he gets to about a six count right and then Tully grabs his thighs his upper legs right marches out of there yeah drops him on the knee and front atomic drop you mean yeah Yeah. front atomic drop I had spine buster as well is it ever called a spine buster I don't think so because a spine buster is more like Arn Anderson's move you know like the the sidewalk slam that <laughs> well, the sidewalk slams more like what Ron Simmons does, or or even better put what Bossman does. But uh, those are all slight variations. So the spinebuster. This is funny. There was an online argument about this saying like Ron Simmons does the best spinebuster, and I was like, <laughs> well, technically, uh, spinebuster is what Arn Anderson does, and this is what you know. And they're really not the same because Ron Simmons, when he did his the best. The guys would charge at him or he'd whip them off the ropes and it would almost be like he'd catch them almost like a choke slam in a way, hand on the hip, hand on their chest or their their neck, and he'd lift them up and reverse their momentum and slam them back where they came from. Whereas Arn Anderson used your momentum against you, and that's how he was able to, you know, give spinebusters to like a Van Vader, where he they would get the the legs around the hips and he would spin you and slam you. One can just see why a front atomic drop would be called a spine buster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hits the the tailbone and you're busting the spine. But thank you very much for all that technology explanation yeah so yes it's a, a front atomic drop that tully blanchard applies to t- sam houston you know around the six you know he's not gonna didn't make it to 10 yeah tully drops a knee and then he delivers you think maybe uh possibly it's not gonna happen but sam houston's taking the shoe he's been thrown over the top rope tully is able to use his slingshot suplex wow. properly and he gets the one the two and the three to defeat sam houston it's not clean but uh, what a match. Wow. I mean, the match is so good that yeah. we cut to a commercial and we come back and they show us this match again. <laughs> the <laughs> last four minutes. Mean. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're no, they doing... literally replay the four minutes. Of it's it. really weird. They go to Ronnie Garvin and he's talking and then say, Ronnie Garvin, have a look at this. And then they go on for four minutes. Wow. They show because well, it was like great wrestling, but yeah, they yeah. showed like a lot and they cut back to Ronnie Garvin and they're like, and that's why I'm going to give the hands a stone and beat up everybody. And But they, uh, they, they virtually showed it twice. Okay, interesting. It, yeah, odd. But wow. Anyway, so Sam Houston was, just shined. He was yeah, a wonderful Yeah, I was thinking about match. something. This is a little out of context. But I was just thinking about like the delivery of the Bulldog, which we didn't get to see in this match. Too bad. But it's kind of like 
it's a little bit like Jake's DDT as far as like Sam Houston can pull it out of nowhere. You know, like it's mm-hmm. like he doesn't need it to be, he doesn't need to set you up to do it. You know, he yeah. can just, he just needs to be moving yeah. <laughs> and he can get you. Yep. So it's too bad. I think that, you know, that talent ran in the family. Yes. Jake had in- immense talent. Oh, he, and, he was very clear how and, capable he was in the ring and how he well he moved, how coordinated he was, how well he sold, had good working punches, all these things, had the crowd behind him. You know, in a regional promotion, he was a top, top kind of guy. He just, 1987, 88, WWF, he looked like a scrawny kid, you know, compared to all these muscle heads, all these roided out guys. And it just left him, you know, he got to have his nice little run of uh, jobber matches, you know, but... Oh, uh, guess what? He delivered the first televised defeat to Danny Davis. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did read that they had a bit of uh, when I was looking at And they Davis wrestled stuff, like they, they had over a, a year. Feuds, yeah. Yeah, I think Danny Davis because they were trying to transition him back to being a ref like and didn't want to wrestle anymore and he wanted to keep wrestling so he, he kept pitching ideas to keep feuds going because he was like and then I can do this and they're like just don't know. <laughs> right, yeah. We, we think it's Ron's course. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that he was he was more pr- properly suited to fight a Danny Davis because they kind of were more Body wise, they you know weren't massive guys. They were fit and guys. remember remember the guy that he bulldogged last week, and I was like, who's that guy? Yeah, you remember his name because they wrestle again like five or six years later. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I'd be able to, I, be able to I, find uh, it out. Yeah, well, he was a guy that I, I said like, oh, he sounds like Pete Doherty, you know, because he was like, ah, he, oh he, right, yeah, 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 mm. I know exactly who you mean because he's kind of famous. That guy, he is. I will have this in a few. And seconds. he was the guy that was going to hip toss when Sam yeah pulled the. The, the, the sneaky, 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 the sneaky bulldog. We should call it that, the sneaky bulldog. <laughs> sneaky snake bulldog. George South. Yeah, they mix the it up again yeah, like yeah. five, six years later. <laughs> That's good. So anyway, we hope that you enjoyed hearing a bit more about Sam Houston, you know, his uh, who he married. And <laughs> uh, anyway, and uh, I just thought <laughs> that match against the assassins. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the real problem too was especially because when they got married, it was before the baby doll turned. So she's like this heel hanging around with Tully Blanchard and Sam Houston's this squeaky baby face. So kayfabe, they can't, you know, they can't show up to the arena driving together. They can't, you know, like, so people were mad at them almost in a way of sort of like, you know, it's almost like, you know, like having a relationship at work and, you know, did that get, did that get approved beforehand? I mean, they didn't do those things back then. So that just happens. <laughs> How am I supposed to meet people? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, there's uh, more good action on this card, uh, but before we kind of get to it, we'll take a look back at how how we got set up for our best of seven, Magnum TA versus Nikita Koloff, and unfortunately not a lot to look at, but we'll just kind of get into that, and then we'll get back to this exciting episode of World Championship Wrestling. Folks, we're halfway through a legendary wrestling show. Not that you need to see how the sausage is made, but Corey was a little bit running behind today, and it's not actually like anybody's keeping track of... Uh, he didn't say when he'd be here, but I, <laughs> I want to talk about the uh, the cheating ways of Corbett <laughs> Draper and how this man can't be trusted on the hockey rink, on the ultimate field, no. and especially not at shoots and ladders. I want to call you out, Draper. <laughs> All right, so my uh, my adorable little four-year-old son, Cole, he insisted on playing shoots and ladders before I took him over to grandma's. Snakes so, and ladders for some snakes other Snakes and ladders, of course, people. back in our day. The problem is the little man, he's a little too good at the math, so I wanted to get the game over with. <laughs> And, uh, but he, he can't be fooled. <laughs> he knows That's what, right. you know, he knows all these numbers. So I finally caught him. He wasn't paying attention. And 
a difference of one roll meant him going up a very big ladder to get him near the end yeah. of the game. And I was like, I was like, oh, there you go. So that was I, I was trying to speed All up right, the so end of the slow game. Slow down here. <laughs> So yeah. Corey nudged the rules yeah, yeah. so that his adorable kid could win. That's right. Yes. We don't. We're not always cheating to win. Today, right. Corey's cheating, che- cheating to lose. That's right. Carry on. I'm, I'm pulling my Macho Man here. I'm giving. You know, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so, but at this point, he becomes a little bit too braggarty. You know, <laughs> he oh. starts going like, because ah, I went down one of the shoots or whatever, <laughs> and then eventually he does. Well, he, what, I said, what did you say? And I was like, Cole, well, Cole, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not nice to like really taunt people. Like it's good that you're, yeah, sportsmanship. You got to be nice for your friends when you're playing with them. And so he does, of course, eventually karma comes back and bites him. So he goes down a big shoot. And at this point, for the first time in the game, I'm ahead of him. what did you do (laughs) to this adorable four-year-old boy? I didn't do anything. I tried to convince him it was okay. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) I heard you gave him a little bit of that sass back is what you told me before we hit the air. And I want the straight facts, Jack. All right. He'd tease me three or four times during the game. And then when I when he went down the shoot, I told Seacole, now, ha, ha, And he didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, tough love. And it was just going on way to too long. Kind. And I wanted him to win, but it was just taking way too long. So I eventually did win. <laughs> oh, you couldn't, fake the, you couldn't fake the loss. I needed to get us out of there. You needed Danny Davis. We'd still be there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're finishing up. Thank you for that fun story. Hey, and uh, write in about your you know games with your kids. Hopefully wrestling games, but anyway, right. anything. We like it. So Magnum TA, it was a reasonable promo. It wasn't outstanding. Yeah, you know? it's, it's intense. Magnum's always going to be a step above you know, low-key Magnum, which we saw in those Bill After mm. interviews where, it's, you know, we're ready to go to sleep. <laughs> it's like he's a B-plus at everything, you know? I mean, like, Yeah, he's... I mean, he had a he, he had charisma in terms of how he looked, but he didn't really, yeah, when he stood up on that TBS set, you're listening to Dusty, you're not listening to Magnum. Like, yep. he's not, he's not, he's not coloring in the your world with yeah. his, his words. Yeah, and his look was great, you know, yeah. but, it, but it, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, there were, it's not like he put everybody else to shame the way, like, you know, you'd look at Hawk and he's got that unique right. shoulder you know, definition. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, who else has got that crazy, anyway, yeah. that crazy look besides the fact that he was the post-apocalyptic warrior, you know. Of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I'm afraid I just, that's the thing, Magnum's promos are not memorable. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. much except for he was saying, I'm down. Oh, I did notice this. He's definitely got a little twang to his accent. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was a, I, because he doesn't do the talking, you don't notice that he's got a Southern accent. That's right. Yeah. Not a Texas accent, but I guess, well, he's from Florida or something like I'd that. I have to look it up. I forget where he's from. Right. Anyway, right. 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 Every now and then a word comes out and, you know, he, it sounds like, uh, okay, Magnum is. Because <laughs> Magnum PI was not, he was, he was in Hawaii, but he sounded standard North American. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, man, did you watch Magnum P.I.? I did. I don't have the kind of memories that our friend Graham would have. I remember that Graham was obsessed mm. with that show. So he watched he watched the reruns like when he was a bit older. Okay. You know, I, I would have first run watched them. I don't think I spent any time watching them again. I think Which I, is where you cement your memories. Yeah. <laughs> by watching things two or three times. I did try to pay attention towards the end and it got dark and cool and interesting. Okay. Like, yeah. you know, Magnum dies. I probably didn't even finish the series. I probably stopped watching. He gets shot on, on the job and dies. Really? Wow! I didn't know that. Well, get your buzzer out, and we'll come back to tell you. <laughs> like it's it's mature storytelling, and like okay. yeah. Anyway, 
So Magnum TA, you know, was going, his whole shtick was this popular TV show, you know, Magnum TA, right. Tom yeah. Selleck, uh, who had such a long career, handsome and funny and, yep. you know, uh, kick ass. And he had the big 80s, he was like the quintessential 80s look. That's right, yeah. You know, with that big mu- mustache, you know. Yeah. I think and, I think Tom Selleck is one of those guys that's like tied to so many movies where it was like, did you know that like this role was supposed to be Tom Selleck, right. but it's like, but he's never actually like Indiana, he ends up not being them, you know? Like, Indiana Jones. That was, that was the first one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. but there's others too, you yeah. know. And it's just like it's it's hilarious. Okay, so we have an exciting tag match that happens here, and it's build up to the bash. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is referred to as a unless I'm getting it wrong, so someone can correct me. Maybe they're talking about the July 26 card, but I thought what they mentioned was a number one contenders tag team match. I didn't notice that. Okay. But I was distracted in, in the first 60 seconds. You know, here's the theory. If they're scrubbing a song they don't have copyright to and they're replacing that audio, are we ever losing any commentary? And, and you know, the announcers are saying something, but we don't have it anymore because they yeah, it was tied, Maybe, yeah. tied to like the Black audio. Sabbath, Paranoid, or ELO's yeah. uh, Rock and Roll is King. Right. And so maybe they were saying, this is a number one contenders match, but it's gone. Yeah. Just a, just a thought. Maybe, yeah. You could be right. Anyway, speaking of that, I watched this match like two or a couple of times, and it wasn't until Corey pointed out that there is the uh, proper audio out there. If you search under Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson, it won't be long before you get the prompt and do this before the bad guys get out there and, and squash it and scrub it. You want to hear the sound of this crowd cheering the Rock and Roll Express as they enter to face the Minnesota Wrecking Crew yeah. or a variation of it. I mean, exactly, w- yeah. without going into Updated the history. Version, yeah. yeah. Of Ole Anderson and Arn Anderson, who are cousins in, in real life, too, or just no, kayfabe? No, 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 it's, no, it's just, all just kayfabe. Totally kayfabe. He just, okay. Arn looked like Ole Anderson. So Junkyard Dog, when he was like, saw Arn, he's like, hey, you look like an Anderson. Okay. And then he told the promoter, he's like, hey, you guys should make him an Anderson. You remember uh, Arn's real name offhand? Marty Lundy. Marty Lundy. Yeah. He wrestled under Marty Lundy for a little while. Ah. And then very quickly got turned into Arn Anderson, which made him go from like enhancement talent to like main event guy, like overnight, basically, because they were like, they, he switched, they sent him down like, Hey, go wrestle over here. And they gave him this new, this new persona. And yeah. Well, that's the, uh, the Ray trainer trailer. Trailer. That's the Ray trailer story. As we are witnessing unfold in front of our eyes. Yeah. Big Bubba. We literally saw him jobbing. Yep. You know, what an episode like like, spring of uh, 86 here, and then yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden he's Big Bubba. <laughs> yeah, they're hiding him behind you know, shades and hats, and, and he can't yeah. talk, you know. But <laughs> but they are building him, you know, to collide with Dusty. That's right. That's this. Uh, I'm one among the storylines is, uh, oh, what about this lurking monster? That's you know, right. yeah. how's Dusty gonna so be with him? <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, it is Ole Anderson, or Ole Anderson, they say sometimes, and and Arn Anderson, the junior member of this team, versus Rock and Roll Express. So I had seen the replacement audio version, and it always makes me angry, but if you search this properly, then you will get to hear the uh, illicit, the the no-no version. If you look up the... July 19th episode of World Championship Wrestling, you're going to get a scrubbed OD version, even if it's on YouTube. Like, you know, I'm not obviously WWE Network has the wrong music. The file on YouTube, which looks like it's something that somebody just uploaded themselves because the quality look, doesn't look like, you know, it's that great. But it, for some reason, it also has the music scrubbed out. It has that version. But if you just, as Jeff suggested, look up the match by the names, you know, by just Rock and Roll Express, 
Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, you know, throw that date in there or whatever. I you should be able to find it. I found it very easily. Yeah. And it do was it. the real thing. Yeah, do it. Because I mean the crowd screams. I have uh, I'm not sure if we said this on air, but there is a cultural force here that's on a level with Tom Jones and the Beatles when they performed for women. So these guys are athletes instead of musicians. That's right. But there is a release of tension and built and built up sexuality from these women yes. that's just incredible to witness and so you don't get to hear them scream when you have to watch this scrubbed version it's it's really wild i mean there are uh and like of, of all ages you know the women they're one of the women taking pictures and cheering yeah, yeah, looks, yeah. she looks like 65 and you know <laughs> yeah. and she's you know she's got a permanent record taking pictures will last longer you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she knows that anyway and then you've got like six-year-olds jumping up and down i mean yes. they're just screaming because everybody's screaming yeah, but, exactly but yeah. they're still seeing their tribe they're seeing women jump up and down like i'll jump and jump you know they don't yeah get it but they're all everybody's having them for the grown-up ladies you Yes, they are. I mean, there's not a lot of times that people can point to that I can think of besides like the shrieking and crying for the Beatles at this at the Ed Sullivan show and, and wherever they went, you yes. know, which actually did. Whatever airport they were coming out of. <laughs> I think there was, they, John got mad because they you couldn't hear the music from the screaming. So I think there was one, he, he would purposely play the music poorly like he would instead of playing the piano he would curl his fingers and just mash the keyboard because it didn't matter because the girls right. are screaming and crying so he's like fuck this and he would just like when he was having uh, a little bit of a hissy fit on stage right. you know and so it just became I don't like being so popular <laughs> yeah well he was a bit angry when he was younger right you know they were only in an early phase of their career when they said no more concerts you know it's it's you know it's ruining. I mean, they started by gigging as 16-year-olds. They were over in Germany gigging right. five nights a week and becoming a really tight live act and like learning through rep, just like it takes a lot of yeah. Yeah, energy to sing and sweat in a CD bar where apparently prostitutes hung out and sailors, you know, <laughs> and they were 17 years old or 16 years old. Anyway, yeah. so it looks like to me somebody throws a pair of panties in the ring. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, and... It could be a bandana. Yeah, yeah, right, right. They're all those rock and roll bandanas they always get yeah. around the wrists and, and legs uh, and stuff. Once you folks get on down to Patreon, we'll be able to hire the top visual expert forensic scientist to do computer graphic <laughs> modules to break this down in 3D and tell us at the bottom of Pantygate. And who's, right. you know, what, anyway. <laughs> what brand is it? <laughs> the funny thing is that it lands... First on the ropes. Yeah, yeah. And then Robert Gibson's not really, he's not aware of it. So he's uh, bouncing, you know, doing that pre-show, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, getting the blood up. And uh, he ends up stomping up and down on the panties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Tommy Young's got to go over there and pick him up and flick them out of the ring. Now... This is an opportunity for me to uh, tell my... Jeff knows a little something about pennies when he's working. I do. <laughs> that might sound out of context, not sound so great, but uh, Well, I was on. in a dinner theater show called Tom Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I was playing the uh, titular character, Tom Jones. They dressed me up as Indiana Jones. It was Tom Selleck was up for the role, right. but uh, I had, <laughs> exactly. we had what yes. we had ourselves was a, a whip-off, and I took that Tom Jones and I showed him, I took that whip and I choked him to that life. I don't know, I was the heel. <laughs> anyway, so actually, I did have to audition for that because they wanted somebody that you know they 
uh, every now and then in this dinner theater, they could they could bring in a, a fifth wheel or a sixth wheel, a right. weaker person who wasn't that strong, and it's just like doesn't matter because it's a six person show where there's right. you know an equal load for everybody. Unless there's a weak person, then everybody else has got to pull a bit more weight. Yeah, and if you happen to have if you're playing the character whose name is in the title, yeah. you also might sing more than your fair share. And I did in that show, but yeah. in other shows I was buried. So you know, <laughs> in this show. I was I was the man, Tom Jones, dressed as Indiana Jones. So if you don't know, legend has it that uh, women would throw their panties at Tom Jones. This sexual release that they felt and this ability to, to express themselves when Tom Jones, he would dance in a really unchoreographed but raw sort of he was like a go-go dancer Tom yeah, Jones yeah. he was so confident and I've, I've watched I did study him um, yeah. you know for this role anyway in our show what we ended up doing is we made a bunch of silly jokes about the fact that panties were given to Tom Jones yeah, by yeah, yeah. eager women in the audience just as Ricky <laughs> Morton might have received an offering from one That's of right. his you know <laughs> lady fans so one of our gags was, uh, you know, Bud Man would fire the Bud Man, the t- or Duff <laughs> the Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Duff Man would fire T-shirts or Bud Light T-shirts would get fired by cheerleaders, cheerleaders into stadiums. Mod, unfortunately, bites the dust when yeah, she yeah. gets hit by a Duff Man T-shirt. But anyway, so we had stuffed, not T-shirts, but panties into these launchers. Right. And part of the show was like, launch the panty cannon. And <laughs> they would just, you know, six pairs of panties would fly out of this cannon at the big, the uh, climb of the song ta-da and like you know the lights and you know it was all very exciting so that was and then there was also at the end of the show when these daggers are about to close in on the indiana slash tom jones character he remembers you know that wait a minute and he pulls out this huge pair of granny panties and he wraps them around all these gears and levers that are about to (laughs) impale the good guys and then like the machine grinds to a halt because of the super stretch granny panties (laughs) so that was a good time and that was my my story about uh, one time the panty cannon went off and hit me right in the face oh no yeah and like when i saw it coming i was like go limp (laughs) so i collapsed into a heap and i was like actually i'm fine sorry i don't i think i overreacted there i don't know i he didn't it was fine so ricky (laughs) this this is the only time in wrestling i've ever seen anything like that thrown into the ring bandana or panties i've never seen it before right and i don't think i'm gonna see it again (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's right (laughs) i mean having said that we were watching a lot more wrestling that i didn't ever think i would uh go back and examine I i wouldn't want to say that there was never panties being thrown at the, the Von Erics because they were getting their share of squeals and grabs and kisses on the way to the ring. So Yeah, and this is one of those where um, Ricky's like, like, like somebody's close enough to put their arms full around Ricky. You know, that they're not really separated from the crowd in right. this in this entrance in this particular venue. There isn't full on barricades. There's a That's you right. know there is around the ring, but on their way into the ring, yeah, they're kind of just in the middle of a sea of people. Yeah, so people are really getting to touch, and you yeah. know. Fortunately, it's all okay. Nobody, uh, nothing goes wrong. And as far as somebody throwing a punch at Animal, because we, when Kurt Henning did his right. crazy cell and split himself open, that's it, right, yeah. and his incredible acrobatic choke himself in the ropes, the hangman spot, yeah, yeah, they didn't have that protection. That's right. Yeah, and, not at all. They had to walk right through like a big aisle of just a bunch of people. Right. Yeah. They, they, there was no there were no barricades. They yeah. got surrounded by a mob and and fists. 
blue. Yeah, this is our Star Cage episode. With, right. We got into it really early in the episode. It's one of the first things on that show is this crazy match between the Road Warriors and Kurt Henning and Baron Von Raschke in the spot that Jeff's talking about where Kurt Henning flips himself in the ropes and looks like he's going to be decapitated and he's yeah. bleeding in the chairs and it's just and then as Jeff is alluding to then the road warriors fight the crowd <laughs> on the it's way as they leave the building it's just you so like it. visceral like there's just nothing it's you, real you won't see anything like it in like modern wrestling ever like. it's absolutely real yeah the road warriors versus like 15 20 people yeah, that's right know. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, uh, we certainly have fun uh, sharing with you our stories of our careers and our lives and, you know, our family and stuff like that. Uh, and so thanks for um, indulging us. Now let's get to the wrestling. So these people are so happy. Like this is just fabulous entertainment. This crowd is so into it. And the women are, you know, nobody, nobody, none of these guys are angry that the women are screaming and yelling. They're <laughs> yeah, having yeah, a good, yeah. you know, like the young men like want the rock and rolls to win too, you know? So it's, right. they've got the support and then this extra dynamic that they're like sex symbols. In this case, the good guys wear white vests. The rock and rolls have their usual look and it's cool. I mean, there's so many different colored bandanas and they kind of got shiny material around their knee pads. So, their look is great. I mean, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, my respect for them is only growing as the further we delve into legendary wrestling obsession and the more of their work that I see, uh, I get it. Um, especially when you listen to the crowd, these happy, horny, hot people because it's a uh, sweaty <laughs> July night. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Arn Anderson's got some black trunks and Ole Anderson, he's got a pair of stars on his red trunks. Not too dissimilar from Macho Man. Yeah, he's stealing my stars from the trunks. I'm going to split that Ole Anderson. Yeah. And, you know, Ole Anderson's a very stocky guy. He's he, he's um, he's definitely got that uncle dad bod, uh, you know, bowler, big bowler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look. I found uh, recently that uh, Terry Funk kind of had a look going, the Macho Man star tights back in, like, in the 70s, like kind of like pre, like Macho Man probably got a little inspiration if he ever saw that. Like, right. Wrestling in Terry in Japan or something like that, like was, you know, that was when that look was happening. Arn happens to be wearing a nice gold strap around his waist, the TV championship, correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct. Yeah. Too many belts, but anyway, they do look good. Ricky returns the fl- favor, and he throws his gitch into the crowd, and my brawl breaks out. <laughs> oh, no, 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 a bandana. He throws a bandana into the crowd, and, you know, hopefully it doesn't get too ugly out there as the girls are scrapping over his That's bandana. Right. <laughs> they are so loud. that Just the bell rings. This crowd is is on fire. This is as excited an audience as I've ever seen. Like, it, as you say, you get very close to this kind of stuff with the Von Erichs, you know, that combination of Beatlemania and, and wrestling fans, you know. Okay, yeah. so the match starts out with Robert Gibson and Ole Anderson. I tried to do a bit more bundling of moves here, so it might yeah. be slightly different, but anyway, we'll see how it works out. So, you know, they start off with a couple of collar and elbows where they sort of end up pushing away and then going back, you know, yeah. kind of like... I, a, I love the early storyline of this. is all about the Andersons are trying to... They're trying to get the rock and roll in the corner. Like, that's all they're yeah. trying to do. And the rock and roll is just trying to stay out of that corner. Absolutely. And they're frustrating the Andersons because they can't, they can't quite pull off the, the shenanigans they're trying to pull off, you know, at the, in the early going. Absolutely. That would be chapter one of this <laughs> match. So these collar and elbows, indeed, it's not long before, you know, Ole Anderson realizes that, hey, if he's just going to trade shots, it's not going to work, you know, so they get, uh, eventually they do kind of hustle, scuffle, you know, jostle, jockey, uh, and Robert Gibson is in the heel corner, but just quick as a cat, he's kind of like, 
on the canvas yeah, under the it's rope. Very, it's very unique. Like, yeah, he just like, he decides to get out of Dodge, but like not in a Randy, Randy Savage runaway chicken way. He's just no. like, I don't need to fight two against one. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like I'm an octopus. Gonna... He just liquefies yeah. and he's on the floor. <laughs> yeah, he and then he passes by David and Tony gives him the pat on the shoulder. <laughs> and he's like, smart, smart. Oh, yeah, sweet. You know, and, you know, and the crowds are popping for that because it's yeah. like a getaway. Yeah, exactly. And so absolutely. You, you, you called it quite... Quite well. There are so many women with cameras, you know, like with their, their little, uh, people didn't take pictures on their phones back in the day, you yeah, see. Right. So they had these little things that are phone sized, yeah, that's you right. know, that uh, are everywhere when, when they, they show gotta, the crowd. They got to be picky about it. You know, often the camera might only have 15 shots or 12 shots or whatever it might be. Like, you know. I'll be a little more generous and say I was accustomed to 24, but okay, you could yeah. be right. But Something like that. Yeah. Your like point those, is those it was not. It was limitless. <laughs> exactly. You did have to be careful. And you had to, you had to then go and get the the film processed to find out that your thumb was over the camera lens, or you know, or that yeah. you, you cut off half their head in the picture, or exactly. And then one day, one hour film processing came out, and people were like, "Oh my god!" And oh my it was god. like you know, Cabbage Patch Kid, My Pet Rock. Everybody was lined up around the block for one hour photo. At one point, it was <laughs> yeah, just yeah, like yeah. this big thing. Like yeah. you can get your film developed in one hour. Oh my god! Oh my god! It was just yeah, like the invention of the VCR, and suddenly there were like. <laughs> Everybody had a you know yeah. a rental rental store, so the crowd is popping for everything. It's it's really cool. And when Robert gets back in, arms mouthing off, so Robert just does the old puppet show, sticks out his arm and does with his hand. He <laughs> he, he mimes the blah blah blah. You're all talk thing. Yeah, the crowd's yeah. is crazy for that. Yeah. All of Arn's threats are are going nowhere. <laughs> Robert Gibson is not intimidated. So we get back into a collar and elbow. Now it's a double A who's in there. We get. Three quick left hands. Robert Gibson gives a uh, hip toss to Double A after a whipping him into the corner. There's a head scissors and a drop kick, and the good guys are winning this fight. Double A goes to the floor after eating all these shots from Robert <laughs> Gibson. The crowd is already does one of those, you know, clap, 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 clap. clap, clap. They just they're right into it. <laughs> So then now we have the, the deliberate trap setting where Ole, you know, is like got his right arm extended behind him, you know, looking for rather Arn is doing this. Yeah. He's looking for Ole to grab his hand behind him right. and with his left hand grab Robert. And then he'll be the rope that, you know, they yank Robert into their yeah, that's right. corner. But Robert not going to fall for that. <laughs> as Corey was alluding to. This is so like, but, and, then, and that's what the commentators are saying. Like, oh, look at that. Look at that. They're trying to get him. They're trying to get him. <laughs> but. Note they're wise to these track. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew tactics are well known by the Rock and Roll Express. Here's what the crowd wants to see: Ricky Morton get revenge for the nose-breaking oh, ways yeah, yeah, against yeah. any horseman. But uh, we saw the footage. You know, where in the dressing room they're that's rubbing right. and and Arn is right in there. Oli, that's when he returns, right? Yeah, around that time. Yeah, I think the first time they Indra's knows Oli's not back yet, but he's in the next week well, or whatever. You know, he's. We know Arn is. But then the, the foot, he's getting that foot. I remember he was stomping on Ricky Morton's face in the corner of that one match. They were beating him up. So Robert's like, "Is that what you want? Is that what you want?" And the crowd's like, "Ah!" <laughs> and tags in Ricky Morton, and oh my God, they! I'm telling yeah. you, this is as good as wrestling gets. The crowd is so excited for revenge. Yeah. So it's all, and then Ricky's pointing at his nose. He's pointing at Arn, pointing at his nose. <laughs> you know, this is like uh, theater, you know, and, yeah. and miming, and we don't need the words. Yeah. We know what's going on. Yeah, we know Flair, can, you know, inflicted the initial damage in the locker room, but then there was that follow up where they like. You know, they did the knee off the second rope to the back of Ricky's head or whatever when he was being held down. And that was probably Aaron Anderson who delivered that knee drop. So that's probably what he was pointing at. 
Right. Well, the commentators are saying, he's got his mask off, the tape is off, and I just can't believe this is Saturday afternoon wrestling program that people Yeah, are, dinner time, but it's, it's, same pay per, it's pay-per-view worthy. Yeah. That's for sure. Anyway, so then the crowd start chanting, L-O-D! L-O-D! No, they don't. Oh, no, no, okay, they don't. No, they don't. No, 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 no. Just imagine if they did, though. That's right. <laughs> well, it's people, about time. Yeah. I'm referring, of course, to the horsemen beating up the road warriors, and the crowd starts chanting for the Rock and Roll Express to come and save them, which it didn't happen. It was the road warriors saving the Rock and Roll Express from the whole bar full of drunken That's right. Bravo pool playing bullies. Ricky and Arn are facing off, and now he's finally going to get some revenge. You get your typical jostling, jockeying for position, but the exciting part is that uh, they run the ropes and Ricky does this really cool baseball slide underneath Arn's legs, gets behind him, and then before Arn can figure out what's happening, Ricky spins around and grabs his shin slash ankles and yanks them out from under him so that Arn goes face first into the mat and sells the nose slam. That's right. He sells it so big, like, ah! And so it's like, oh, we went for my nose, I'll go. So it's a no. I've never seen this move before. Yeah, yeah. Totally unique. I've I've seen someone take somebody down that way, but not like... Like you said, the emphasis on, oh, you landed on your nose. <laughs> yeah, that's all up to the fall E. Yeah, exactly. Of course, and, yeah. and the storyline. But yeah. still, I, I don't think I ever saw anybody like, goes for like, basically, goes for the shoelaces, you know? <laughs> and then just you know, yanked yeah. because of all, but all the leverage, right? Like, because right. we're, we're a lot of weight up and down on a very small yeah. little surface area. So when you yank the carpet out from somebody, whoa, yep. they, or you slip on ice, you know, you go down hard. That's right. And so a great spot, unique spot. And then the next thing we get is another variation. We get a DDT on the nose. I, I was so surprised. To, it's a, like a DDT, what? On the nose. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Never yeah. seen that again. Exactly, It's yeah. so specific to this match and these, this angle. Yeah. Arn's on the floor, grabbing his face. He's in pain. Everybody, you know, they're already sweaty because it's a hot summer night. <laughs> Minnesota Wrecking Crew has got to compose themselves, get back and control this match. So Arn takes his time. He tags in Ole. Ole comes in. He's talking to the ref and saying, I don't want to see any of this and that. You know, <laughs> Ring General's like taking his time. Well, I forget. Is JJ at Ring with them or? No. Yeah, interesting. He's there. <laughs> we, we just saw him. <laughs> it's strange. Mm-hmm. Didn't need him. <laughs> so we get the collar and elbow. Ricky winds up in heel town. Can't. Hold his enthusiasm. He's got to pop everybody. You got to pop the guy on the corner. So he gives a punch to Arn, who's out there. And Arn comes in. All four men are in the ring. And they get, and of course, this, this turns, this makes the crowd go to 11. That's right. And the noise just escalates there. It's a big slugfest. And of course, who's going to come out on top? The Rock and Roll Express. That's right. The baby faces are always going to win a clean slugfest against the heels. Unless it's the Road Warriors. Then, you know, the Road Warriors are like, we got a different plan. <laughs> Double A hits the floor. Ole goes for the old ping pong tennis punch where a shooting gallery <laughs> yes, takes a fist from. Great. Yeah, he sells it really well. This is, this is literally the 1950s like boardwalk game where you shoot the duck and yeah. it goes to one side, ding, and it goes back to the other side, ding. That's right. Back to the other side, ding. And now, so the last one, Ricky's back at his, or Robert Gibson's on the apron holding the tag rope, but he's still, yeah. you know, for like punch number five, send him back to Ricky. Finally, Ole hits the ground. Yeah. So Ole's good. almost doing like, you know, when comedians would do the go behind the couch and pretend they're going down an escalator, you know, like, oh, his, right. like his knees yeah. are bending more and more. So he's getting lower and lower to the ground on each punch. Yes, indeed. I got the pause button here. I can't remember. Maybe the commentators say, oh, he needs a pause here. Ole's trying to pause the action or something. Robert Gibson goes after. Ole, 
But our bad guys are not without their offensive tactics and their successful offensive tactics, as the commentators will tell us. They like to work an arm and give it the gear. So Ali does uh, Oli. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the greatest? Oli Anderson grabs Robert Gibson's arm, throws him right outside the ring. Now, this is that very hard floor I was telling that's you right, about. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, Robert Sells may be a little too hurt because, you know, so far it's been all Rock and Roll Express. But anyway, yeah. Ole comes out there and works Robert's arm on the barricade as, as well. So they're building one of their first uh, hot tag sections. The crowd is chanting Rock and Roll. Uh, inside the ring, Arne Anderson comes in. And like the part that I like is that uh, he gets Robert Gibson to the mat in a hammerlock chicken wing. Yeah. And then he like, you know, kind of pushes both of his hands down and puts his feet up in the air to drive a big knee into yeah, it. They look yeah. really devastating. So this looks like the arm is definitely taking a lot of damage. The Andersons are famous for working the arm. That's right. As uh, and, and Tony and David, they could have told you. If only they'd listened. <laughs> the one thing about being in this position is if you're not careful, the guy's getting hammer-locked can snake his arm backwards, get you around the back of the head and pull a snapmare and uh, get out of the hold. Yeah. And so he does, but it's not enough to actually make the tag. They, uh, you know, it's like, oh no, he escaped. But then they grab him before Robert can make it over to Ricky. Right. So classic hot tag building tactics. Now, um, they're so, they got to be selective about what they say. Because if you start a conversation, you know, in the ring, you got to be careful. But Ole does start to bellow at, at uh, Tommy Young. Ask him, ask him. Because he's, <laughs> he's, he's uh, working that arm and he's That's grinding right. him in the corner. We cut to a TV ad at this point. Uh, the heel tactics, Ricky gets suckered in, as Tony comments, allowing uh, more double teaming of Robert Gibson to uh, build the enthusiasm for the eventual hot tag where the good guys will get back a fresh man into the ring. As you say, the, the, the they're well known for what they do, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. David explains it. They twist it. They turn it. They break it. <laughs> and uh, didn't you uh, work? He had a football pool with a guy. It reminded me of a story you okay. told me. <laughs> we got, excuse us on this one. So our good mutual friend, uh, Matt Kippen, had an older brother, has an older brother, James. And James is, is a doctor. And, you know, man that heals people, takes care of them. And it was so funny because when I got involved in the NFL, like, football pool, these guys bullied me into it. And I didn't care about football, but we'd lost our beloved Winnipeg Jets. And I was sick of hockey at that point. And so, basically, I was like, okay, I'll do it. So, I, I did this hockey pool stuff, or pardon me, football pool, as everyone calls it, fantasy football now. And so, we're watching, we'd get together on these Sundays. This is when we're still in our 20s and stuff like that and had all weekend to just sit there and watch eight hours of football or something. And James was so funny because when he was watching a play involving- Do- Dr. James. Dr. James, watching, like, let's say, the quarterback of his opponent play. And as someone was trying to get, like, a quarterback sack, James would be like, get him, get him, twist it, break it. <laughs> It's like, you know, he's wishing broken bones to his opponent's, like, player because he just wants him out of the game. The Hippocratic Oath right, yeah, right. out the window. <laughs> Forget it. it. Break it. <laughs> yeah. So the commentators are here. <laughs> Dr. James and the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and uh, all have this in common. That's right. <laughs> they have a lot of shots of the audience. Again, you just can't help but notice the uh, the hot women in the crowd are, are the ones that are on their feet. That's right. Robert Gibson is being worked over, towering over him. A big knuckle sandwich is headed his way, but no, he ducks the punch, goes through the legs, and makes that hot tag, and Ricky Morton is able to get back into the ring, and he's rested, and watch out, the crowd is on fire. Yeah, this he's- is a bit unique, because usually, nine times out of ten, it's Ricky that takes all the beatings and has to make the hot tag to Robert. Ah. So every once in a while, 
it happened. It's not like a one. This isn't the only time, but it's rare. Right. It's like a 90-10% kind of ratio. Usually it's Robert on the apron waiting, and Robert gets to come in and kick everybody's ass. <laughs> well, he's got a right hand for Arn. He's got a right hand for Ole. He's got a drop kick for Arn. He's got a drop <laughs> kick for Ole. And everybody's just like, ah! <laughs> the third rope missile drop kick works out for him. Oh. Yeah. Right off the actual top? Yep. Okay, because this is in that era where, like, I think they're supposed to get disqualified for coming off the top. Ah, well, I didn't have my eye on Tommy Young or Tim. Oh, no, wait a minute. That was the AWA stuff. Never mind. It must have been, mm. There must be okay. Yeah. And then Ricky pulls a neck breaker. Then he's got a double hamstring and he tags Robert Gibson in. <laughs> Can't let Robert rest there a bit. <laughs> Robert Gibson was like, I don't know why, uh, you know, Vince Russo didn't like tag team wrestling. Double your pleasure. And you, here's a spot that proves it. They do, they each grab a leg and yeah. then you do a somersault hamstring yank okay. on whichever poor Anderson's so in the ring. Yeah, on, are they on their stomach when this is happening? The, no, the, they're on their back, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. So like you got Anderson's on his back. Yeah. 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 That's safe. Anderson is on his back, and each rock and roll member grabs one of his boots, yeah. and then they both do the a wish, somersault. Kind of, oh, but so you're not the wishbone snap, but an no. actual like somersault. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So the, he gets folded in half, but it, it stretches yeah. his hamstrings, right? Yes, so yes. you know, but he gets you know folded compacted. in half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, compacted, like doubled over. And but this somersault, they come out of the somersault and both deliver a pop oh, yeah, to, the, yeah, to yeah, Anderson, yeah, yeah. who's holding the tag rope. Yeah, it's so good. So it's it's like. Bulldog level of synchronicity right. and yeah. cooperation yeah. Yeah. and acrobatic uh, skill. It is as good as the rock and rolls ever look. This 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 hamstring somersault come up punch the other guy. It's <laughs> yeah. so good, man. You got to go see this match, fans. Now they're targeting the leg, as the commentators say that Ole Anderson had his leg broken by Dusty, yeah, so yeah. they're going for that leg and they're working it. First, Robert Gibson, and uh, and then and then you know, at this point they start doing the quick tags. You know, the, the, the good guys are using scientific tactics, yeah. quick tags, and targeting on a body leg, uh, body part, the leg, to, uh, to get their success. Whereas yes. the bad guys cheat for their success. For, that's right. <laughs> They're trading in and out. The Rock and Roll Express working that leg. The crowd is chanting, rock and roll, rock and roll. We get some beautiful moves. Corey pointed out the other day how much he enjoyed Jim Neidhart's entry into the ring when he would get slingshotted yeah, in right, and yeah. do a big splash with that yeah, yeah. that still slim belly in the 80s. <laughs> uh, it's a great way to make uh, to make use of your tag teams, you That's know, right. like just yeah. creative ways to beat somebody up. That's right. Okay, so one of the great ways, like Robert Gibson, basically he he vaults over the top rope, and as he lands, one foot booms lands on the on the leg of the Andersons. Like it just, <laughs> it's what it's supposed to be. It's yeah. great. It's m- much like the High Flyers. And just when I came into wrestling, there was the High Flyers that were the exciting, That's right, yeah. you know, parts of wrestling because everything was they. You had two gas tanks to spend That's up right. there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're adult. We're all adults here, and yes, Corey does have a, an, a cute, adorable son. But this next crowd shot are the biggest boobs I've ever seen <laughs> oh bouncing because this lady's like screaming for the Rock and Roll Express, and like, oh my goodness, like, like her her shirt almost flies up. But oh, yeah, but I mean, these these boobs are too big to get uncovered. <laughs> <laughs> Fast times at Ridgemont High. You'll be wearing out the tape up at the pause button if in your VHS days to say, look at these boobs bouncing. These women, they're crazy. (laughs) So to work the leg, the Rock and Roll Express decide to pull a little turnabout as fair play. And we actually get that. They don't say it as well as Jesse, but Ricky pulls Ole's leg He's on the floor, Ricky, and while the referee is, uh, you know, telling Arn to go back to his post and, and Robert's taunting him, 
He's basically on the floor pulling all of his weight, yanking on his boot while Ole's in the ring and has his knee basically on, on the ring mat, the corner. So yeah. they're cheating from the floor. And, and the, the, the commentators think that's just fine because, you know, <laughs> turn about is fair they play. Got, they got a little bit of Vince McMahon in them. There's, you know. Absolutely. Ricky gets back into the ring. He gives Arn Anderson a few punches from the apron. There's a headbutt that finally allowed the heels to get in some offense. I think it was, oh yeah, that's what it was. Ole gets a punch, but Arn's minding his own business. Ricky gives him a punch, <laughs> and then Ole sneaks in a headbutt and turns the tables. Aha. Uh-huh. You gotta so be careful. He, so if Ricky would have just stayed at fo- focused on the, in, the man in the ring, that wouldn't have happened. That's right. Man, everybody is sweaty. <laughs> Double A's using a lot of stomping tactics, getting Ricky to the mat, and then just laying the boots on top of him. They're, are they building the, uh, the hot tag again? No. After an Irish whip from Arn, Ricky reverses it, gives him a drop-down leg toll drop, leg trap trip, <laughs> and then he drags Double A over back to face town. Robert Gibson's waiting for him on the third rope. He comes down as the tag, and once again, off the top rope, he stomps on Arn's leg as he takes over for the good guys. The Rock and Roll Express are slowing things down. He basically, Robert digs his knee into the back of Arn's knee and immobilizes him, and Arn just looks like he's in agony, calling out, reaching his hand, and they're working that leg. The one that uh, both guys are getting their legs worked, even though only Ole had his broken but, you know, yes. you know, the same tactics for both of them. They do this kind of cloverleaf thing where they uh, stick one of your legs into the crook of uh, the sh- one of your shins into the crook of the knee. And then they push that knee like kind of work in the, the, the joint, almost like a, a nutcracker style. But <laughs> the way that without so much the arms, basically wrapping up and tying up the legs and using le- leverage and pressure and. And all those old, those hooker tactics. That's right. They're uh, tying up the, whichever wrecking crew's in there is not going anywhere. So lots of uh, tags. And we actually have a little spot where Ricky wraps his foot into this whole tangle of of crossed legs, stands up. <laughs> Robert comes in and, you know, shoves Ricky in the, ch- uh, okay, in the chest, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Makes, makes Ricky fall back. Backwards, yeah. But because his leg's tangled into there, yeah. it's just like, Arn's like, ah! Leverage damaging yeah. kind of maneuver. Exactly. Quite... But it looks funny because it's yeah. all macho, like, you know, shove yeah, yeah. your own partner backwards. That's right. But as he hits the ground, he also does the whole double arm flap out and, and a big percussive Which sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes it sound like something big happened. So something happens off screen that I can't see that Dave gets really excited about. We cut to TV. And when we come back, the Andersons have taken over. Arn is dragging Ricky's face across the top rope, his eyes. Oh. Yep. So the bad guys and, and uh, you know, their commentator's like, they've been destroying these young men. Things, it's a lot of things happened while we were <laughs> away for our TV ad. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, this era, like, Saturday's main event is an example. When they went to commercial and came back, you didn't miss a second. <laughs> you know, like, Saturday's main event would, like, just, would really just come back in exactly where you left off. Whereas these NWA edits, they would come back in, you know, at basically you would have missed anywhere from 10 seconds to a minute or two minutes. Who knows, really? Absolutely. So the Minnesota Wrecking Crew are going back to working the face and nose of Ricky Morton. This is quite a long match. They're, uh, oh man, and and like you said, when they were need him in the face, you know, before, they're doing that same stuff again, like putting his face on the turnbuckle and literally standing on it. Ole, <laughs> yeah, they distract the ref and he's he's got all his way. How do you fake that? You can't Wait, really. Is, is Ricky like kind of on his knees, maybe face on the second rope or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to imagine if his face was on the top rope, how Ole was standing on it. But second no. rope, okay, I get it. Yeah. Or it might have even been the bottom, the bottom rope. bottom rope, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, it was the bottom rope. But it's just, you know, Ole, uh, Arn distracts the ref, and then Ole's able to come over and step on Ricky's face and then, like, completely stand on it. Like, the other foot's off the ground. Right. 
And you just like you're wondering how do you fake that? I guess by putting pressure on the the top rope, you know, you you get both your hands on the That's top right. rope. You can, and that, you can take a lot of your weight off your body. Yeah. with your hands. And, yeah, and then it's still I'm, I'm sure it doesn't feel good either way. Yeah. So Ricky's in trouble. Arn gives him a body slam and a big knee drop and gets a two count for his effort. They are building the hot tag. Robert Gibson wants to get back in there. We have a near tag, but a fail because, you know, they'll, Ricky will make it close and somebody will grab his ankle and yank him back. Classic, this is how you build the hot tag. Ole comes in there, boots, fists, a backbreaker looks really good. Ricky's able to put his foot on the ropes so that he doesn't get pinned from this backbreaker. And we get some real great Popeye faces, squint eyed, you know, one eye shut, the other like, ouch. You know, just, he's got those, Paul Wonderf made those faces pretty That's good right, too. Yeah. The drunken sailor walking like that, one eye squinting. <laughs> They're doing a lot of work to the face by basically just putting their hands on his face and squeezing, you know, and squishing his nose and raking his face and yeah. grabbing and pressuring all that uh, still tender healing nose. Ricky gets whipped into the ropes and eats a big reverse elbow, which drops him to the mat. Another two count. And then Ole laces knuckles with him and tries to force a pin by just putting all his weight on yeah. him. You know, instead of like maneuver, just like, I'm just going to... Hold you now. Yeah. You know, there are about five attempts before the crowd starts chanting rock and roll. And then Ole eventually ends up in full mount, right. you know, doing yeah. this. And like we, uh, there's about eight two counts, but Tommy Young will always put his hand in and be like, oh, no, there's one inch. You That's know, right. like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. one, two. And he's like, nope, I, there's clearance. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so some eight attempts at a three count, but none, none of them are successful before Ricky's able sort of to finally draw his energy from the crowd who's still incredibly enthusiastic he works his way to one knee he stands up and looks like ricky's winning but not yet <laughs> as in the tag not yet a bunch of scrambling allows ricky to jump up at the top rope and he actually does a flying body press that misses oh okay yeah but it kind of clips anderson's head so he he, he doesn't <laughs> duck it it's just like he goes ricky jumps too high right you know so, him. yeah so um the crowd's too excited they don't care so they run ropes for another full body press and he hits gets a two and three quarters count on um, this is Oli actually now they tag in arn the crowd is still chanting, and now they mention that there's two minutes left. They had mentioned the three-minute mark about a minute ago, so we know that we're closing in. The action is just going to build. Ole tags in, goes up to the top rope. Arn holds Ricky, and as just as you expect Ole to deliver this big, crushing, top rope knuckle sandwich to Ricky, <laughs> Robert scoots in. He's had enough. The hot tag with no tag. He gets in there and gives only the big punch to the gut. Now yeah. all four guys are in there and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And uh, the crowd is so just. He punched him when he was on the top rope? As he comes down. Oh, I see. And you couldn't see him until yes, like, you know, yes, Ole yes, was halfway yes. down and Robert right. Gibson, whoop, yeah. hits him in the gut. It was really good, especially since the camera work didn't, you didn't know that Tommy Young didn't see Robert coming in and yeah. I didn't see Robert coming in. So really good. And then Robert pins Ole's arms behind his back and Ricky goes up to Brett's rope. He gets a big punch. <laughs> Robert whips double A into the ring, uh, whips double A into an, an abdominal stretch. But it's funny. This is because I don't, you don't see this too often. He whips Arn, but Arn's too close to Ricky. So Ricky gives him a little shot, but he just keeps running. <laughs> he sells it with his head. Yeah, but he yeah, has yeah, to yeah, finish yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> he keeps running the ropes and goes back to Robert. Well, he's just, you know, Sorry, well, I have a previous engagement here. I, gotta... <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't sell for you full. I'm, I'm doing his whip. He goes back in, in the abdominal stretch. Yes which of course is how every match always finished. Then Tommy chases Ricky out 
So Ole's able to come over and do a double axe handle club overhead to free yep. Arn Anderson from the abdominal stretch because heels don't hip toss their way out of abdominal stretch. That's for faces only. That's right. But Robert Gibson isn't particularly wounded. Next thing you know, is it going to be a suplex? No, it's a small package. And we get a two count. But next turn of the tables would be an eye rake. Arn goes for a suplex. And he, first, he raises his hand like as if this is his finisher. But right. his suplex wasn't really his finisher. No, well, he did the gourd buster, which oh, looks so like then a suplex. That's, okay. Yeah. Okay, so he's going for the gourd buster then. Thank yeah. you. Okay, which is like Jake's the face front, mash. The front face smashing suplex, yeah. That Jake did to Savage, and we didn't, That's right, yes. we didn't have the right terminology. Okay, so Arn signals for the gourd buster yeah. because Robert knows to block it by putting his right foot, you know, between you the legs. It, yeah, you hook yeah. it between the other guy's leg on mm-hmm. the calf, yeah. So we get that, and then Robert delivers a, a suplexer. Nice. But it's not his finisher, but it's devastating. Oh, of course. Ricky's watching the action, climbs up to the top rope. Commentator's like, and Ricky's waiting. And oh, Ole doesn't know he's there. He has no idea. But and this is one rare case where Robert doesn't know. He doesn't see it. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Ricky's actually got to climb back down <laughs> because um, the, the spot that we do get, Anderson picks up Gibson for a body slam, but instead Gibson goes behind and right. we get the cradle, much like Sam Houston started the match against Tully with a, you know, against the ropes, roll up cradle. Yeah. We get that spot. Robert does a, pushes Anderson into the ropes. Next thing you know, it's a one and a two and no. They make reference to the bunkhouse match. You're like, just imagine, no rules. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're they're getting excited about that. Yeah. They also, I forgot to mention earlier, they were like, Saturday night at the Delta Center Center, the Super Summer Sizzler Tour kicks off with yeah, autographs yeah. of the Rock and Roll Express. So <laughs> they're really, you know, the B team is getting their, uh, you know, yeah. promotion for their Super Summer Sizzler Tour. That bus tuned up. That's right. Meanwhile, back in the ring, the Andersons have a couple of spots. They drive Gibson's one. Anderson takes the Rock and Roll one of the Rock and Roll Express and drives his head into the knee of the other Anderson, who's waiting, holding the tag rope, and the tag is made. Double A punches our Rock and Roll Express, who happens to be Robert Gibson at the moment, <laughs> whips him into the ropes. But no, Robert applies a sleeper. Uh, okay, so Robert's running the ropes. How did he get the sleeper on? Is a reversal? Has to be. It's the only logical conclusion. But the bell rings because time has expired. Right. So Ole gets in there to mix it up with Ricky and to save his cousin, even because, you know, doesn't want to see Arn fall unconscious due to Robert's sleeper hold. Ricky puts a sleeper on Ole. So both the Andersons are getting the life drained out of them by sleeper holes. But the bell is rang, so (laughs) there isn't really much point to it except for that neither one of them can rescue the other. So basically when the rock and roll are good and ready, they let go of these two sweaty, groggy dad bods and they, (laughs) they, you know, roll out onto the floor, dazed and confused in the rock and roll express. It it is a draw. Yeah, of course. The rock and roll express get to raise their arms to the screams of these fans and stand tall as the victors because they did put them both to sleep at the end of the match simultaneously. Yeah. So what a match. Go watch this and make sure you get the original audio. This is as exciting as tag team wrestling gets. I just can't say enough about it. Yeah, this is like a follow-up. I I think... Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure the Starcade 85 title defense for the Rock and Roll Express is a cage match against the Andersons. And that was probably probably their most famous match against each other is probably that one because it's a Starcade. As we mentioned, we have a, a Great American Bash tour card, the July 26th one coming up. And then we had this one, which is a TV taping. And I'm sure they, between the format, the, the eight-man tags, the six-man tags, and these tag team matches, some combination of Andersons and Horsemen versus some combination of Rock and Roll Express 
likely happen hundreds of times in a couple of years there. Hundreds might be exa- exaggerating, but let's say 50 times or something like that. Like when you look at all the house show results and all that, because they were, you know, back then wrestling six, seven days a week and got to take that match to every town. Absolutely. One of the territories really had an emphasis on tag team match line uh, cards. Right. And they, uh, they were almost no singles matches in this one area. And everybody knew when they went there, that was like, oh my God, is, is Dusty Rhodes with Sergeant Slaughter and they're yeah. going to take on these two guys, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I had watched a bunch of histories of the territories, some YouTube channel that was- Yeah, uh, I've probably seen some of these videos talking about or at least something similar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're lower, they're not on NBC or no, no. <laughs> uh, on Fox. They're, you know, it's a YouTube yeah, production. Yeah, put it together. Yeah, but uh, I, I learned a lot. They show you, you know, it's cool when they show you- the card, the ring, like basically a picture program. Yeah, the lineup for that. Yeah, the card. lineup. But yeah. especially the one that's like the names. Some names are big. Some names have stars. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. graphic design, you know, in yeah. different fonts. Like it's a, funny too, those posters that were made for the local shows. The amount of time there were spelling mistakes. And they, yeah. the company's making their own posters. So like, why are you spelling your own wrestlers' yeah. names wrong? It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Photos of the wrestlers, perhaps. Yeah. But uh, it, it was just neat because in this video, they showed like, look at this. It's always, it's always tag teams as they showed the, yeah. the lineups. Yeah, it's funny when you mentioned uh, the abdominal stretch. So I had earlier in the week released through one of our one of the Facebook groups, the wrestling groups. I put out a little uh, meme of like, can someone tell me the last time somebody submitted to the you know the abdominal stretch? And pointing out that every move used to be a finisher, a body slam at one point, or a right. suplex and drop had had to be at some point. And I'm not talking about and and the difference here is that nowadays. You can point to almost every move and say, well, it used to be a finisher, but the difference is, is that those moves were finishers in the eighties and the abdominal stretch was not. <laughs> so like, when yeah. was it? And you know, I got varying re- responses. The one was probably most helpful said that it was Tony Guerrilla was like the master of the abdominal stretch. And in the seventies, that was his finisher. And he was, he finished a lot of matches with the abdominal stretch. Ah, so not the not so distant past. Yeah. Yeah, and who knows who invented the move or where else, and I'm sure there's other examples, but at least that was one tangible, like, okay, we all know who Tony Gray is, and yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, tie, tie something up for us. Okay, there's a really hilarious uh, end to this card, which we're going to cover now. 
and uh, we'll look to wrap the show up. Hang in there. Let's go now to Jim Cornette. In just a few minutes right here on national television, my Midnight Express going to get in that ring and defend the world tag team title against America's team, Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA. And you know, I've been coming out here for a long time saying the Midnight Express were the greatest. And everybody said, the Rock and Roll Express, they'll never take the belt from them. And I said we would, and we did. Then everybody said, well, the Road Warriors, they'll take the belts off the Midnight Express. I said they wouldn't, and they didn't. Then everybody said, America's team, they'll be the ones to win the titles from the Midnight Express. I said they wouldn't, and they didn't. And the bottom line, Regardless of all the controversy, you talk about interference, whatever you want to talk about. Every top team in professional wrestling has gotten in the ring with the Midnight Express, had the chance umpteen times to take the belts, and hadn't done it. And America's team, in just a few minutes, you're going to get your chance, but you're not going to get the job done. We'll be back in just a minute. So yeah, Cornette is just brilliant. He knows how to talk people into a building. He knows how to make things exciting. He knows how to take the truth and use it as a villain <laughs> to you know, keep keep everything up in line. Yeah, that promo is great because he's he's telling no lies. That's right. You yeah, know, you know, and uh, you're, you, it's kind of like if you were in a debate, you'd be like, yeah, well, that may be true, but <laughs> you still stink. <laughs> so here we go. There's a fun tag team match that closes the show. Uh, not that we get to see much of it, but we, we what we get is entertaining, and we'll go through what they will let us see. So we have our entrances. Again, they're, we can really hear it. Jeff and I just re-listened to it just to kind of catch something, and it's like you can hear the difference of when the fake music is being played and the crowd noise is being pumped in for that fake music versus when the music stops and then you hear the real crowd. Jeff really pointed out the difference between the two. Yeah, well, this is a the same TV audience. There's a heavy female contingency in out there in the crowd, and uh, this, you know, it's a, like a low, like rah, 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 like all through Dusty and Magnum's entrance. But when it gets to the real stuff, you hear like, oh no, that's the people we heard cheering in the yeah, it's rock like and the, roll. Pi- the pitch of it, like because yeah. there's more females, as Jeff saying, so it's a bit higher pitched, scre- screeching, screeching, squealing, you know, like fever pitch of madness versus just hormones. Sort of, Versus sort of a more generic male-dominated sound of yeah. just like rah, rah, blah, blah, rah. Hey, hooray. yeah. So that gives you the difference. So we shame on you. <laughs> Give us back the original audio and pay the bloody artists for their for their music, for their creations, their brilliance. Yeah, they helped create amazing memories. Shame, shame, shame. I, what right. do you think they would have came to the ring to? You know, I'm not familiar with what Dusty... It would have been a Dusty song. I and, got but, one yeah. more <laughs> Could be. Oh, that's uh, the Sam Houston also uh, wrestled as the Midnight Rider. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Neat. So yeah, we got America's team, which is Magnum and Dusty, who, you know, they wrestle a lot as a team. But I'm going to say this, like in this moment, and forget about the Crockett Cup, which brought in a lot of teams from other promotions. If we look at like who is strictly a tag team, like who's not anything but a tag team, the NWA at this point doesn't have a lot. They have the Rock and Roll Express and the Road Warriors, and they have the Midnight Express. And that's kind of it because there's the, the Russians can always be put together as a team. Magnum and Dusty can be put together as a team. Paul Jones can stick some guys together as a team but you know there isn't really there's basically three tag team tag teams right well they did attempt to distinguish the minnesota wrecking crew as a tag True. team yeah okay so i'll even i'll even count let's count them then as the, the second they tried yeah let's count them as that second heel I, I, yeah team. that's being generous because really they're part of the whole force four horse 
been with J.J. Dillon. So. And, and, and Arn's holding the TV title, a single yeah. title at this moment. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a, but they are chasing, storyline-wise, they're chasing a ta- a t- tag titles, you know, like a lot. Where are so. the U.S. tag titles at this point? They, they don't have them? Nobody's wearing them. Well, no, them. they must be because there's U.S. champions. There is U.S. tag champions, I think. Unless, well, we'd have to look it up. Maybe maybe the timelines are off because the national and the t- and the U.S. title for singles are around. So I would think that there's a U.S. tag team championship at this point, but maybe there isn't. Maybe if we looked it up, we'd find out that they haven't run that yet. I'm pretty sure the first... Well, you know what? They probably haven't done it yet. I think the first ever U.S. tag team champions coming out of a tournament were Garvin and Wyndham. And I don't think Wyndham's around yet. Okay. We will... And all of that could be 100% wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, NWA audience. <laughs> I know what I know, but it's all uh, it all melts together, so... Right. Well, head on down to Patreon, throw us a dollar, and we'll hire a internet <laughs> wrangler real time. That's right. <laughs> like all the other podcasts. There hey, check go. out Google, do-do-do. They're, you know, Mr. Internet Guy. And then, like, That's right. <laughs> we just have inanimate uh, toys up on a shelf to talk to here. Where they can't control a switchboard or anything. My wrestling figures are not toys. <laughs> They're very important. They are weapons of culture. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty interesting. So the Midnight Express are already in the ring, and we've got the double white look. We've got Jim Cornette dressed all in white and Big Bubba dressed all in white. <laughs> so it's hot July summer nights. Yeah, and they, they do tease something really well, which is sort of the follow-up to the July 5th cage match where Dusty takes a beating after the match from Big Bubba. So Dusty gets in the ring, and right away it's kind of nose-to-nose, not quite, but very close as a standoff between the two big men, between Big Bubba the future boss man and Dusty Rhodes and there's some yapping going on of course we can't quite hear what's being said well Bubba doesn't say anything of course he doesn't he's just staring at him with through his glasses trying to look intimidating and mean and he is <laughs> and Dusty's got his swagger that's right so basically we end up where Magnum's ready to wrestle but the crowd's not ready for that yet the crowd wants something else and Dusty feels it or maybe it was pre-planned either way you can tell it gets it gets set up. So Dusty starts calling for Baby Doll to get in the ring, and we end up with Jim Cornette coming into the ring. Even though it's a tag match, the two managers decide that they're going to uh, finally settle this score. <laughs> it's really hilarious. So uh, Jim Cornette takes off his jacket, so now he's got like black pants and a black dress shirt on. And and I said like Jim Cornette. Sometimes you think of him, especially in this era when he's so young, that he's a very small man. He's not. He's a he's a big guy. He's got like a big body. He just you don't think of him as a big fat guy. He's not a muscle guy, but he's also not a scrawny guy. So he's he's, he's a sizable person. And then we've got Baby Doll on the other side, who's looking a little different, I would say, than we've seen her in the other episodes. Well, she's got what to me I would compare to Olivia Newton John when she takes on her sultry look at the end of Greece. She shows up <laughs> in, in these pants that she had to be stitched into. Wow. Yeah, she had to be, there was no zippers or buttons. They stitched her into the pants. And I mean, that for me was a part of my growing up, like, what? what? <laughs> she was uh, so. Uh, seductive uh, and so baby doll's got a kind of a similar bodysuit on but you don't know that until she takes off this white sort of overcoat or whatever yeah. yeah that was a fairly puffy and didn't yep. show but then so she takes that off and i was like oh i see now i get why all the everybody was fighting over baby doll's attention <laughs> she never looked hotter to me than she does when she uh, removes the coat and she's got basically her bodysuit on yeah so they <laughs> So they come to the middle of the ring and Cornette's egging her on. He's waving her on. He's got his dukes up. He's ready to fight. And he steps to her a little bit. And then he very quickly decides that this is beneath him. 
So he kind of shrugs her off, and he turns around to head back to his corner, and it's just brilliant. It's so awesome, like this chicken shit heel tactic. So he tries to blind attack her. He turns without even turning his head, and he tries to charge at her, but she's she's ready for him. So he gets about three quarters of the way to her and realizes that it's not going to work. So he has to retreat in like the funniest way, and he dives out of the ring, and the camera follows him, and you miss a couple of seconds, but basically at this point, the tag teams explode into action, but Baby Doll's still in the ring, so they're setting her up. Bobby Eaton takes, like, not one, but two awesome slaps to the face from Baby Doll and takes these big bumps, and it's super awesome. And really, this is, you know, we we only get a few more seconds of the match. So there is a spot where we get to see, like, the, the elbows come out. So <laughs> Dusty's just nailing Bobby Eaton with his elbows. It's great. He's selling them awesome. There's a whip to a corner rope. Bobby Eaton does one of those. He doesn't do the flare flop out to the apron. He just does the thing where he goes upside down in the corner and, you know, hits the ground kind of thing, spills off of it. And as the action spills outside, David Crockett comes in doing the classic 80 syndicated TV, like, Tony, Tony, we got to go. He starts, like, you know, announce, pre-announcing that, you know, the match is going to be, you know, they're going to be going off the air. And they say they keep the cameras rolling, although you never get to see any more footage. And it goes out. We end with one last move. Uh, Jeff, you want to describe it? Well, I've mentioned several times that this floor looks very uncomfortable as far as the uh, hitting it may go so dusty gives bobby eaton a hip toss onto this hardwood floor and i'm just like hey you're the booker and you should be looking out for your talent you know? they like, save bobby's hips this, yeah i don't think he's mick foley i don't think he wants to do the uh elbow elbow drop on the cement and slam his hip into the cement so yeah that's the way they go off the air we got a good chuckle too because the credits of everyone knows sort of the star space pattern with the credits rolling and you get dusty of course is the executive producer under the name virgil reynolds you know and uh and as a kid i would never have known who that was or the connection there that would have been a, a different guy but that's that's dusty virgil which of course again now in lore ties to why ted dibiase's bodyguard was called virgil was a little crack at dusty aha never knew that yeah so that's going to bring a close to this July 19th episode. Uh, as we mentioned, we tried to look ahead at the July 26th offerings, but of the three syndicated shows that were recorded, and the show is being recorded, I can't find any of them online, so we're sort of lacking. But I can say that from the match listing, it looks like they are back in a normal TBS studio setting because there's not a, there's all of the matches are fairly you know obvious like just top star versus jobber kind of matches we don't it's not like this kind of show so i don't think there was a whole lot to get outside of maybe some good interviews and stuff like that so that's going to be you know pretty much all Look, the info we can get everybody gather. was at the july 26th yes right? everybody was at the wedding slash birthday party for me that's right so sam houston and baby dog got married and i turned <laughs> 14, so I was invited to the the uh, reception. They said, we hear there's a big Jake fan from, right. from Winnipeg. <laughs> and uh, so this is 86? Yeah. Yeah, right. So that's what, that's, there, that's that solves the July 26th mystery. That's right. So next week, we are going to be covering the WWE Network version of the July 26th Great American Bash card. Uh, it's another big, I believe it's a stadium show. I'll have to look at it again. But uh, it's got a lot of great matches on it. I did notice looking at the match listings, it's sort of, uh, there's some follow-ups. There's some repeats here. I didn't notice a lot of stipulations, though. If you remember the July 5th card, it was almost all, the first three matches were kind of standard, and then every match after that was some sort of a, you know, tape fist, strap match, chain match, grudge you know, match. grudge match, all those things. These ones look a bit more straightforward, but we do get repeats of things like 
Wahoo versus Jimmy Garvin, Tully versus Ron. I'm trying to think there's a third. There's another one in there that's another repeat. So we will get, oh yeah, um, <laughs> your favorite, Manny Fernandez versus Baron. <laughs> hopefully hopefully the Baron's pants will stay up this time. But uh, so we'll see what to do. That's that. Those cards are 21 days apart. So the storylines are progressing. We're going to have a boogie woogie man haircut match with, with Paul Jones. There's going to be this, this, this show we just did today is kind of a bit of a repeat because this Rock and Roll Express Anderson feud is going to continue with this big July 26 card. They're going to have a match and we're going to get a six man war. Well, six man and one woman. So we're going to have the road warriors this time are going to come in with baby doll versus the midnight express and Jim Cornette. So we can have more of those shenanigans. And of course we've got the big title match between flair and dusty. And we have match number four in the best of seven for the Magnum versus Nikita. And we finally get to actually watch some footage, <laughs> actually watch one of these matches. And I kept digging and looking and trying to find more about what happened in those first three matches. And Jeff made a good point, which is that you didn't necessarily want your near top and soon to be top babyface in Magnum. People, they didn't maybe want to want to show him, you know, losing these matches that he lost. So maybe not, not airing them on TV was like intentional in some ways to kind of protect his character. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, that, that explains why there's so little footage. I, I We haven't found any footage of Magnum getting pinned cleanly by a Russian sickle or whatever. Um, so we're led to imagine that Koloff interfered and cheated or Ivan to, uh, you yeah. know, that that's written down in some places. But I always had the impression that at least one of the matches that Magnum lost a clean one. But the whole idea was like, it's okay because it's the best of seven. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like in a best two out of three falls match. It's like, yeah. it's okay to lose the first fall because you still yeah. got two more falls to come exactly. back. Exactly, And that you're allowed, you can keep your reputation going. But uh, it's so it's so important what if you, you know, doing the job for somebody isn't doing the job. If you just lose one fall out of two, three falls, you can still keep your reputation and be deadly. That's right. Okay, a couple more things to wrap up the show. And then we will bid you adieu and uh, get on to next week. Okay, dear listeners, so we are in December, as you know, and as these shows get released, the year is running out, we're running out of time, and we looked at the calendar and decided, you know, we're going to take a little break between Christmas and New Year's, so we won't really be releasing an episode that week. That kind of left us with one week. By the time you hear this Bash setup show and then next week's actual Great American Bash card... There'll only really be one week left for shows. So we're going to take a pause on jumping back to the WWF in our March, April, May 1987 coverage, you know, pre pre and post-WrestleMania and that Saturday Night's Main event. That's going to wait till next year. So what we've decided is for the last show of the year, we're going to go somewhere we've never been before. We're going to Texas. Everything bigger in Texas. That's right. <laughs> Home of Sam Houston and Manny Fernandez. And, of course, they won't be on this card. No. <laughs> um, but actually, we, we don't know yet. Yeah, we'll have to figure out which one we're doing. But Yeah. Um, but it is the home of the Von Erichs. And this Christmas, there's a movie featuring the story of the Von Erich family. And uh, so we're going to go see it. Yeah, that's right. The Iron Claw, it's called. That's and, right. And uh, then we will cover some uh, special WCW. Special, uh, some wait, w- early... Yeah. World-class championship. World-class championship wrestling, WCCW. WCCW. 
and we're going to find one of those early 80s Christmas Star Wars, as they've, they've been called, and we're going to find one of those early ones. Those, you know, we'll make sure David's still kicking around and, <laughs> and get some really good stuff. We'll get some neat matches, a different look, a different feel, but uh, and we know it's good stuff. So we're going to cover one of those, and at the same time, we'll, you know, we'll wrap a, uh, we'll, you know, we'll try and wrap a review of the iron claw into one of those and uh you know might not end up releasing it until january but whatever happens we'll we'll figure it out but you know just to let you know that's where we're going is we're finishing up the bash and then we're going to do a little christmas world class championship wrestling and then once we're in 2024 and in the new year we will return to your regular scheduled programming of world wrestling federation in 1987 looking forward to it that's going to be fun going to texas for a spell that's right. Okay, so again, as we wrap up the show, thinking back to things we've said already and the fact that as we're recording this, it's the American Thanksgiving week. By the time you hear this, it will be past then, but that's okay. I did see something really neat online, Jeff, that I think you would have uh, got a kick out of. And I don't know what series of action figures it comes from. It's wrestling figures, but I'm pretty sure it's a newer company. Like, these are new productions. These look really well done, like really, really great likenesses of, of you know, the characters. So... Picture yourself of a, a Thanksgiving scene, a long table, a big turkey, and some fixings. And sitting in the middle of that table, standing, I should say, behind the middle of that table is Bobby the Brain Heenan. And he is flanked by his family, <laughs> Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Perfect. And then the one that pissed me off was the Brooklyn Brawlers there. I was like, nothing against Steve Lombardi, but it's like, come on, like, you know, give me Haku, give me, <laughs> get, get Nick Bockwinkle in there, like, you know, anybody. Anyways, it's just the look of this image. So the uh, the way I saw it was it was shared through the uh, the Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff Twitter account uh, was the one who shared it, and then it got shared by somebody else, and that's how I saw it. So anyways... I, I, who knows who he got it from, but it was just really neat to see this great little action set. <laughs> Were these, did you say it was like toys? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh. yeah. 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 You know, done with action figures like the, and I don't know what line they were from. They might've been made anytime in the last 20 years. Who knows? And at a Thanksgiving day table sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. Was yeah. there like any kind of toy turkey or? There was a turkey on the table. I don't know what, where they got it from. Probably some little kid's kitchen set or something like that, right. but it was, got it right. was all proportional, you know, yeah. like the table and the food okay. were proportional got to like, it. you know, yeah. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah. It's a good look. The Heenan family. <laughs> From their family to yours. <laughs> okay. Happy Thanksgiving. That's right. So that's going to wrap us up. We're going to come back next week for this basically third installment of the Great American Bash 1986 and the July 26th card on the WWE Network and all those matches. And hopefully you're going to enjoy it. Don't miss it. Come back. You have no choice. You will enjoy. <laughs> that's what they said. Okay. Enjoy your week. Take care. Take care.